Hi, happy new year. How's it going? Welcome into the Irish NFL show. Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary. Hey, another year, boys. Same, same crap, different. different day, no? yeah. How are we doing? For us, anyway. <laughs> yes, I think given uh, given our respective teams, uh, yeah, it could be any year from um, from the, the the last few. Um, but it is the the second last week of the regular season. There is plenty to discuss, all sorts of permutations and combinations in terms of the playoff picture. Uh, it'll be a lot clearer after uh, this uh, this weekend's games. But uh, yeah, it's nice after uh, the the break to have uh, football to discuss. A nice break as well, Brian. A lovely chill break. Are, are you refreshed? Yeah, feel grand, yeah. It's quite even sure. What can you be doing on a Saturday night these days? After eight o'clock in the Republic of Ireland, I know it's a little bit different for your boys, but uh, um, look, yeah, it seems like a long time since we had a show. Obviously, we didn't do one after last weekend's weekend, which was crazy in itself. And obviously, tomorrow night, as Columns alluded, there's going to be a lot of decisions made as to who goes to playoffs. And since we've last recorded, we've seen. You know, we spoke about uh, Demarius Thomas passing away a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, this week, John Madden's passed away. And even today, we've seen that um, Dan Reeves, the former head coach who coached in the league for 23 consecutive seasons, who, you know, you would have great affiliation for having taken the Broncos to three Super Bowls. He did four years thereafter with the Giants and brought the Giants back to the playoffs after having a number of years struggling. And he then again went to Atlanta and led them to a, to a Super Bowl. So he was a great coach throughout the years and he's well respected and Sad to see the news today that he's passed away at the age of 77. And obviously maybe yourself or Colin might touch on John Madden. And I certainly think Mark will have something good to say on him as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Colin, I think I think if, if you want to recap on John Madden, obviously passed away during the week, I, you know, you'd be a better man than me to do it, to be honest with you, just based on how long you've been in the game for, but a, a very uh, legendary figure in the league. Yeah, I, I think it depends on possibly when you started watching football in terms of Madden and, and Madden's influence, because John Madden was a pioneer in terms of all the different aspects of the league. I mean, an unbelievable coach for the Raiders, the winningest coach in their history. And you could see the way in which his players used to respond to him, the way in which he went about coaching. I think there are coaches in the NFL or maybe who are no longer in the NFL in 2021 who were the antithesis of John Madden. He treated everyone with respect. He always treated his players with respect and um, they responded in kind. But everybody, you hear the stories about him from the doormen uh, in various locations. Everyone says he he was an absolute gentleman. Obviously, then as a commentator, uh, he you know he was a great color guy. Uh, watching back over the the past kind of uh, week and uh, picking up on the the highlights and then the the Madden series. So there'll be people out there who won't have known uh, John Madden other than the Madden name. But when your name is that synonymous. Um, you know, it, it tells you the impact that he had, a, a true pioneer, and uh, he will be um, obviously missed. And it, it's nice that the the league, uh, everyone across the league re uh, respected John Madden. So I'm sure there will be some real great tributes to him tomorrow. I saw a really good point during the week from one of the players, and he said um, his father remembers him 
from from coaching the Raiders. He goes, I remember him from his commentating, and my son remembers him from the Madden game. And that's three walks of life, three different, very, I suppose, three different times in life. But yeah, like no matter what the scenario is, everybody would have a good thing to say. I, you know, there was some great footage on Good Morning Football in particular during the week, and then they took time out to show his um, his press piece in which he did at the um, when he went into you know Canton, Ohio, and how significant that was for him because it took him a long time before he actually got there bearing in mind how well he was you know and how highly respected he was within the game so it was it was a sad look he was 85 years of age still you know i'm sure it's devastating devastating time for his family albeit the age but look you can only say good things about him and i'm sure he'd be looking down and thinking what a crazy weekend of games we've got ahead yeah for me like i, I i'm in that uh, that that new category you're talking about the games or maybe the simpsons season 10 episode with him when, when he was on complaining about the bus and stuff but uh, i actually had a chance this week to watch the all madden documentary i'd recommend anybody to check it out it's really good really really good and if you're trying to get into the game especially in the 70s and 80s and the rules around it we'll definitely check it out maybe we'll get time for mark to give it maybe a tribute maybe we'll use that for monday's show but obviously uh, john madden has died at the age of 85 uh, rest in peace legendary figure in the nfl um the Irish NFL show is presented by Trust and it's also presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. Everybody looks really refreshed after uh, 10 days of nothing, which is great. Uh, really enjoyed that Lawrence Tynes thing on Monday night, but uh, it's time to look ahead to the games or else we're going to be here all night. So is, is Mark coming on or what, what's the crack? He's having uh, he's having um, internet difficulties and now he has laptop difficulties. Oh, here. I, 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 I definitely know how that feels. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail, you know. Six weeks away from Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles. We are two weeks away from the end of the regular season. I am not going to miss these graphics because they take too long. And there's a lot of games here this week. There's a lot of, because there's no Thursday night game again this season. And uh, we're going to go with some games to start off with. Maybe teams that might not have a chance at the playoffs. We're going to get through them quickly, but um, we'll spend a lot of time. Here's Mark. Hi, Mark. Welcome in. Good, good uh, very good timing. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. 2022 starting well with the uh, computer. I'll say that again. I'll just reset stuff. Good to see you all again. Mark, uh, Derek Harraher must have got Mark into Chris Kendall. It looks like he's wearing a Packers top. No, 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 no. Let me just be, <laughs> this is a super dry hoodie. This is not a Packers I know, top. I know, I know. When, when it popped up before, so I didn't know where we were going there. So Mark, we're, 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 we're going to give you two days to think about your John Madden tribute. All right, we'll what? go back to yours on Monday night. All right, I we'll, promise yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a whole segment. I'll find sum it up at the end with Madden. No worries. Yes, and you can, I'm sure you can leave in a lot of things during the show as well. But uh, thanks for joining us. Let's look ahead to the game of the weekend. Uh, the Giants 4 and 11 going up against the Bears. Colin, the Giants uh, are up in Illinois, and by God, they're up in Illinois. They're up in the Ozarks. If that's is that up there, no, they're, they were on a boat last night. Um, is this a, an attempt to reverse the curse, as some have suggested? I think it's genius. I'm I, I'm all for it. Uh, yeah, the infamous photo. Uh, these, I suppose, two teams who are very likely to have a lot of changes in, in the offseason. Um, it is um, quite possibly Matt Nagy's final home game in charge of the Bears. 
Um, though nobody, as I, uh, you know, wasn't unexpected, nobody took advantage of the new rules. I knew nobody was going to fire a coach to take advantage of the, the new rules. There was a lot of speculation that maybe somebody would, but no. Um, it's just not the way to, to run a, a franchise. Um, but it might well be my, Matt Nagy's final, final game. Um, I think they'll allow him to finish the season out. Brian Pace. Uh, may also go, and obviously with the the Giants, I think it's now pretty much established that Gettleman will go. The question probably is is around Joe Judge and, and what happens there. So really, it's a game where you know if the if the Bay, like the because the Bears gave up their first round pick to the Giants is a really strange one. Uh, what did the Giants want to happen? Uh, I, I think probably the interesting thing for me in this is probably more about uh, Robert Quinn, who has uh, 17 sacks this year, which is um, phenomenal. TJ Watt's the only guy ahead of him. Um, Quinn is uh, his, I suppose, single season record is 19. He could certainly get three over the last two games to, um, you know, bring about his best season. Uh the, the other thing, Roquan Smith has 149 tackles. He needs four more to set a Bears franchise record, given that they are a team most synonymous with defense as opposed to offense. That would be uh, quite fitting if uh, you know he was to, to break that. For the Giants, I, I see so much of the, the Broncos in, in the Giants. Decent on, on defense, just nothing there on offense. I think for the Giants, realistically, the, the season can't end. Um, soon enough and I imagine Brian you would like if there was somebody in John Mara's ear telling him to just take a step back take a take a breath and maybe allow somebody else to maybe make some decisions I read a report this week where there was a you know a poll chart and it said 72% of the Giants fans want to get absolutely uh, demolished in the in, in the final two games because it will then put themselves in a situation where the, where the owner would have to seriously consider changing the situation in terms of the head coach this is the toilet ball game like columns touched on it was my first point was who who wants to win you know the bears have nothing significant on the game and um, i think the bears will win i think Nagy is going to have his final game in south field with a win and he's playing anti dalton tomorrow like I like that game last weekend in seattle was a nothing game but in fairness to the bears they rallied to the very end they won on a on a two two point conversion at the end and Foles played reasonably well for all his struggles so you would have thought they'd stick with him this week but no he's gone back to Andy Dalton which is and he's and he's committed to playing Justin Fields in the last game so it's a bit of you know who wants to play this week because you're not playing next week scenario the Giants said they're going to play both quarterbacks tomorrow Fromm's going to play Glennon is going to play I think what will happen is Glennon will be so poor in the first quarter they'll have to play from in the second quarter he'll be so poor in the second quarter Glennon will have to play in the third quarter it's a fiasco and Giants only have one fit wide receiver out of seven guys on the roster and that includes the practice squad guys because they can't even remain fit and they've lost two more guys on the offensive line this week one unfortunately because his wife had a miscarriage which is a very unfortunate situation for the family so he's had to step away from playing but it doesn't help the team the bears are winning it's it's all over get it over done with season i look forward to our off-season shows already and you're skipping straight past the postseason show. Who's Brian? <laughs> yeah, really. the off season. I love it. It's kind of like forget about the five week postseason markets. It yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, I just want to get and potentially a new head coach. And the sooner the, the season's over, the sooner they can start working on that on that situation. 
Well, I mean, as, as you gents know, New Year brings new excitement and new opportunities. And uh, and even on this show, obviously, we've got an exciting slate of things already lined up for 2022, including hopefully a little bit of a treat for the teams. I'm sorry, Brian, like your team, who will very quickly just be fast forwarding towards the draft and what talented and exciting players can come out through the draft. The reality is both of these teams. Uh, and I mean, it's amazing to say about the Bears, given that, you know, Jesus Christ, the Lord, our Savior, was drafted by them uh, last year. But both of them need newness. They need a new start. They need a reboot. They need a complete readjustment along their coaching, along their GM. Obviously, there's, there's this question. I mean, Gettleman's gone. So, like, you know, are, are the other three going to survive? Pace and Nagy, you know, for my money, no. They've got to go. Um, and Joe Judge... I would give another year too, but I don't know if the Giants are going to go give him another year. I know we're stating the obvious in relation to it. Brian recorded a toilet bowl. Yeah, it's a bit harsh, but probably accurate. Colin, you know, you're absolutely right. How bizarre is it? It's not even like the Giants can lose for draft position because by doing so, they hurt their other first round draft pick. But at least they can look forward and hope that two picks likely in the top 10 will help change their fortunes a bit quicker than perhaps the bets. Um you know, I, 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 um, Scott Hansen quoted The Princess Bride the other day, and I watched it again over Christmas. It's such a brilliant film. And I think of Andre the Giant putting his head on Carrie Eulis and just said, I, I just want you to feel like you're doing well. Uh, and, and that's all I want for these two teams starting the new year. I just want them to feel like they're doing well. Honestly, I flipped a coin, came down higher heads for the Giants. Um, I wouldn't have minded if it came up tail. So I'm going to go with the Giants tonight. I was just going to make the point, you know, despite all the frailties and difficulties that we have, I would still rather be in air position going forward than where the Bears are, because essentially they've given away their number one pick, but Mark's kind of touched on that as well. So that's where I was going with the next point. Myself and Colin have been, uh, well, I don't know if, well, look, okay, we've been very fortunate to be a soldier field this year, and the Bears, to be fair to them, have been extremely hospitable. Is that the correct word? It's been a, it's been a long yeah, Christmas it's, season. It's been hospitable to every team that's coming. Hospitable. <laughs> well, let's 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 just be clear here a minute. Um, the respect, the the mantra for Matt Nagy whenever I was there, and I don't know if Colin would agree with this, was was surprising. Um, let's look at Michael's notebook very quickly. The Chicago Bears have got one losing season, and there's an argument that, you know, <laughs> lads. He's 33 and 30 if they, if they lose the last two games. Matt Nagy in Chicago. He's had two playoff berths in four tries. He's been incredibly unfortunate with injuries. Khalil Mack. Uh, you can all say that. Numerous COVID injuries. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I've got two more points. All right, I promise. Two more points. Loads of different injury issues. Loads. All right. His quarterback plan has been completely annihilated with COVID, different issues with injuries. Andy Dalton, Messiah comes in, Justin Fields comes in. And then the GM has neglected certain positions, for example, cornerback. Uh, the Bears are four from past defense, but they struggle in defense continually. No doubt the game I was at, the offense was woeful. Like, I actually feel that I could have padded up and went on the field. But it makes me think this. Who exactly is going to go into that, to, to, to that club and do any better? Nobody is. It's not. It's going to take time. Uh, I, for the crack, want Nagy to stay. I, until I see he's out, he's not out for me because 
you know, if you told me last week, Brian, that Adam Schefter would have um, tweeted or whoever tweeted at 10 o'clock last Sunday about Daniel Jones, et cetera, in New York, I would have went, what? So it's not over till it's over. In terms of this game, I'm sorry, I've been talking about the Bears. This is more important than the game. I mean, the Bears are going to win the game. I actually think Nagy might win out the last two weeks and a discussion might start, but I am here for the memes. I am here for the discussion in two weeks when Nagy hopefully, please, Jesus, keeps his job because I would love to see it. It would be a New Year treat for me. Uh, Bears win this game. I wouldn't say comfortably, um, but they'll win at 20 to 17. It won't be a classic. Just Michael, the, I think, sorry, Colin, just one thing, just that in terms of, I think there's been a bit of a almost um, pity for Matt Nagy uh, since, since you were there because after the loss to the Ravens, uh, there were people who went to Matt Nagy's son's high school game and started chaggy, chanting fire Matt Nagy. And I think, that people thought that was, uh, you know, not not really fair um, on his his own kid or anyone else involved in that, and I think therefore there was a bit of uh, you know kind of some some sympathy, groundswell of sympathy for him. But I think when you consider what has happened with the QB situation, um, I mean, I I think it's just gone too far at the Bears. Could Matt could Nagy go and get a, a coordinator position and in the future that it works out? Yeah, quite possibly. But I think the way it's been handled with Mitch Trubitsky and now with the Justin Fields situation, I just think everybody needs a fresh start at the at the Bears. I, I said a few weeks ago there was a narrative going around that he would stay and Colin nearly fell off his chair that evening when I mentioned that story. Just want to jump back on the Adam Schefter story last Sunday around Jones and and Joe Judge staying. He did a very good backdoor cover this week, as they call it, you know, in the NFL world, where he did it. He came on the Giant CSPN podcast and said, Oh, that's not necessarily what I was saying in the story. What I was saying was they'll keep them if they do X, Y, Z. But if they do something else, they're both, you know, they're both gone. So, like, but what he puts up at the moment is very much clickbait. But um, what he actually, what comes to pass with might be very different come the end of the season. But, but here's the problem with both of them it's, it's about momentum. And Matt Nagy taking that Bears job. Michael, you're right. He's had a couple of playoff berths, but it feels like they're going backwards. When he joined, they had a woeful offensive line. They needed to fix that to help kickstart the offense. Him and Pace between them, they've, okay, they tried. They drafted a second rounder this year who ended up going on IR and never playing a single snap, but they haven't really addressed that problem. And that's fundamental. If you're not addressing the lines, you're not going to be a successful football team. And unfortunately, it comes a point where if you're going backwards, the only way to go forwards is potentially on a new bike. Um, and that's definitely where Chicago are at. And maybe, as we say, that's also where New York feel that they're at with Joe Judge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Six weeks of the Super Bowl. Current champions are the Bucks. The Bucks are 11 and 4. Um, they're playing the Jets this week. I think it's a MetLife. Tom Brady traveling over to the East Coast to get well, he's on the East Coast anyway. I don't know. Don't just I've had a very quiet week. Colin, who have you got in this game? Um, this is there, yeah. There's some some this uh week where um really as long as the teams show up and you imagine if um if they that they'll all be looking to you know not overlook an opponent. This is one, I suppose. So some of the interesting things that jumped out when I was reading up on this, it's the largest age gap between starting QBs since 1950, 
So in, in uh, you know, what, 70, 72 years now? Uh, that's that's quite something. Um, Tom Brady should have Mike Evans back, which means that he'll spread it around a little bit more. Antonio Brown got 50% of all of Tommy Terrific's passes last, uh, or targets last week. Um, so that Evan's coming back really for the Bucks. This is about ensuring that they do their job and they get healthy. It's kind of been a weird season, right? Because even though, like, I know they lead the league in passing touchdowns, um, they just don't feel as as scary. And and even though their their defense, their pass rush has been phenomenal, I think they're second in terms of sacks. They just don't feel like the scary monster that they they did last year and maybe some of that is just they haven't been fully healthy and it's there's been all the disruption um with covid but really i think for them they're missing shaq barrett he's out for at least two weeks so they'll want to get him back for the the playoffs this is about do your job um and the the bucks should um win this one but if the Jets are to have anything, it's the fact that they have beaten the Titans and the Bengals this year. I don't think they're going to do that to the Bucs. I made a mistake last week of picking the Panthers against the Bucs, thinking that those injuries and players being absent would catch, would catch up on them, but not to be, and they, they took care of business, and they'll take care of business in this game. This will be the 12th quarterback for the Jets that Brady has faced in his years. Obviously, predominantly most of them in the AFC East, but... Now with the Bucks, this will be the 12th. I'd imagine by the end of their career, the only thing these two guys will be able to share is the fact that they both have their birthday on the same day, the 3rd of August. Um, the Bucks are winning this in a canter. Can't see any way how, how the Jets can keep up with them. Yeah, and, and back 22 years ago, Brady was a senior in Michigan uh, when Zach Wilson was born. So just that kind of quantifies the difference. I'm still waiting, and it will probably happen, assuming Brady goes for another year, that he go faces off against a player who wasn't born when he started in the NFL. Um, it's not quite happened yet. We're getting closer and closer, but uh, we're nearly there with Zach Wilson. Look, um, I don't want to kind of make the mistake of Vecini and say that it's inconceivable that the Jets could beat the Bucks. But it's getting close. I mean, the Bucks are not an impressive 11 and 14. Let's be honest. I mean, the, the, the record seems to flatter them a little. Bear in mind, one of those losses was the 9 0 uh, debacle uh, against the New Orleans Saints. And I'm fully in alignment with Colin. They have not seen as big and scary uh, as they were certainly last year. Of course, they're going to be missing Chris Godwin for the rest of the season. You see how much Brady has lent on him. But if Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, and Mike Evans are fit and healthy, and Lenny Fournette decides to be playoff Lenny again, they can give any team uh, 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 you know, a serious scare, to say the least. Um, the key is actually going to be on their defense. Um, they've been hit and miss at times. But if they can ramp it up the way they did last season at the right time of the year, then who knows? And who knows what can happen? At least this year they'll get a couple of home games uh, or at least one home game before uh, they have to go on the road, unlike last year when the home game was at the end um, of their season. So I'm going with the Bucks. And Tom Brady, inconceivable, but that he would lose to the Jets. He is 30 and 8 against them all time. So, you know, he does enjoy playing them a little bit. Mark talking about the playoffs already. Um, I have an update on my Super Bowl pick tonight at some point. It's changed, and uh, I think you're all going to like it. 
Uh, Zach Wilson rushed last week for 91 yards. He'll be lucky to rush for 9.1 yards on Sunday against Tampa Bay. He'll be lucky to pass the ball for 9.1 yards. No, I'm, I'm joking. He, he should be okay in that sense. Not. Uh, Tom Brady could have done a job for Michigan last night. Oof. A lot of uh, people weren't happy with that last night. Anyway, he literally could have come on and then played and still won on Sunday. Mark spot on. Lenny Fournette. Pass it off. I actually think he'll hand it off for most of the game. He wins the NFC South last year, uh, last last week for the first time since well for the team since uh, 07. First time in, obviously in Brady's career winning the NFC South. He's not going to have a problem this week. Um, beating the Bucks is is Fournette playing? Is is he injured? Seen the comment? I, I thought he was going to the playoffs. Oh yeah, he is. He is. I'm talking about him coming back for Ronald like, Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jones is yeah. the new. Yeah, I mean you could literally put Mark Cockerell, pad him up, no. <laughs> third and one. Here you go, Mark. Everyone's oh, Jackson, like he runs on oh, first line. Oh, oh, but Michael, just as well on that, again, I mean, I'm assuming he comes back for the playoffs and therefore they have a well-rounded offense. If they don't, Ronald Jones can't catch the ball out of the backfield. They've proven that many times. Gio Bernard's gone as well. So that pass catching back for the yeah. checkdowns just doesn't exist. So, you know, then can teams tee off against the wide receivers a little bit more? Absolutely. So um, it, it diminishes their dimensionality. Um, I have to say, though, Michael, you bring up Michigan. Very important. We should have touched it on the last game. The rumors continue. It's like, well, what about Mr. Harbour going back to the Bears? Bear in mind he yeah, played quarterback. Um, I don't think he would because, frankly, he makes too much money for doing too little. He has Michigan. it too easy. Yeah, yeah, he has too easy. But, but there are a lot of Bears fans that have talked about that. And then I saw on Twitter this morning a lot of Bears fans rolling back, kind of going, well, maybe let's think twice about this. Do we really want Jim Harbour? Um, six bowl losses in a row, or five bowl losses in a row, he's now got. So, yeah. yeah was well, he coached great... the year against an SEC team that was clearly better. Well, look, Georgia Bar have been fantastic all year. The The talk was that the Raiders also made an approach um, to, to bring him there, but no, he is uh, going to stay in Michigan. Just a final point. Le'Veon Bell is now with Tampa Bay. Yeah. Is can he play tomorrow? Has, has he been? Is he active? I don't know what's going on there, but just I, I do it, know it, he was uh, about to give up and just start professional boxing. Michael, he was training for professional boxing. I but Mark, it's Tom that. Brady. He brought in Antonio Brown. He could go and get Ocho Cinco for God's sake and bring him in and still do something no. at this point. So, um, um yeah. also on the coaching carousel, Michael Byron Leftwich being interviewed by the Jags, who just probably come up on the next thing. So uh, nice timing in relation to that. But yeah, the Jags are going to interview everybody. Like it's like it's like there's a secretary job going at the local club, and half the half the village rocks up. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a joke. Like at, at the minute, at, at the minute, when I seen you were going for your boy from Dallas, Callum Moore, who clearly is never going to leave there until the job's his. Like it's like what is the point? It's like go. It's like I don't know. It's like a I, I'd say the point is if he, if he declares himself for an interview now for that role, obviously with no real interest in getting it. If other, some other role becomes available there after the season and looks more attractive, it's out there that he's interviewing, someone will push the boat for him and he might end yeah, up going Jerry, to Jerry would give him a million a year pay rises to stay as a coordinator. That's also... Oh, I know that. But that's it's, that's it's, horrible he, for him. He's, he's, it's, obvious, it's about the future. You know, He might not be keen now, but in a year's time, his name is, is in the list then. You know yourself, it goes around the. It's the same circle goes around year in year out. With the same people interview. Like how, how many I, interview have, how many interview options is Dan Quinn going to get? I know he declined this one, but surely he's going to be interviewing for the Broncos, for example, or other teams. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, he absolutely will. Yeah. And look, hey, look at look at Joe Brady. Joe Brady last year, he was the hot thing. He had five interviews. And now, um, well, we'll get to it. Matt Rule decided that he needed somebody to throw under the bus, and Joe Brady was a convenient scapegoat. I don't want to change topic or start a topic that goes on for five minutes. I want to make a very, very quick point or question to somebody here. Um, how has everybody found Tom Brady over the last three weeks in terms of his production and the way he's he's moving the ball? He's he's all happy enough so far. I think he can run his team for two. Just a genuine question. You don't think he I, looks rusty or I've I've made or? my I, I Michael, I talked about it earlier in the in the year. Mm. I think we have seen the first signs of the for the time finally, finally catching up with Brady. I think he'll get through this year, but I think that the nonsense we heard that he played till his fifties, I think that's done. I do genuinely think it was the first time you've seen the hand eye coordination begin to go. But it's Tom Brady and, and that supporting cast and the coaching staff he'll get through this year i i have no doubt he he doesn't like peyton manning got through um tom brady ha, has plenty left in the tank for this year but i i do think um mark is saying next year i wonder i think the question like it'll get a bit tougher and tougher for for tommy to to say like immediately after the uh you know whenever this season ends wherever yeah. the playoffs of the super bowl but, but Colm, I mean, he has seen Peyton Manning's corpse win the Super Bowl. So he knows he doesn't actually have to go out there and do mm. much. I mean, Peyton Manning was present for a Super Bowl win. I'm not going to say Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl because that would be overstating it slightly. And yeah, Michael, in the last three games, Brady hasn't had a great run of things. He's also had injuries to his wide receivers and he's got knocked out of sync. I think he still leads the league in passing yards, passing touchdowns, completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Um Probably something else as well, I'm forgetting. So uh, definitely feeling the bare burden of the season. But yeah, I'm not putting him in the coffin just yet. Hello to Robin watching in Portugal. It, it says something though, Denmark, that the like that basically, um, you know, the ghost of Peyton Manning can beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to win a Super Bowl. I, I would say that. You know, Jamie Collins being twice on the double move, the same move for two touchdowns, absolutely. And Wade Phillips hitting him 25 times. Yes. Yes. They hi do. again to uh, also hi, hi to Irish Bengals. We'll talk about that game later on. Oh, okay. Jaguars, Patriots. Uh, the Jaguars are 2 and 13. The Patriots are 9 and 6. Uh, I'm going to start off. Last week, I, I blatantly picked the Patriots. Because I think if I now pick the Patriots each week, they will they will lose. So this week I am picking the Patriots. Uh, they should cover. I've, they, they, let, let's be clear here. They should cover minus nineteen and a half against this team. They won't. They'll cover maybe eleven and a half, twelve and a half. But um, they'll win this game. But I'm going to pick the Patriots in this game in the hope that they replicate their performance from last week. Come. Uh, well. Just the unending nightmare that is the Jaguars 2021 season continues apace. When you when you thought they'd finally gotten rid of Urban Meyer, they were going to move on when we saw how flat they have been. But then this week, this week, Khan decided, you know what? I'll keep the GM. I'll keep Trent Balky. It'll be fantastic. And you saw if, if there are people watching or listening and you haven't seen the response on Twitter, please do, because it has been hilarious. They have made the clown emoji with a handlebar mustache. 
and just about every uh, Jags fan who exists in the social media world has jumped on board with it. Um, they, you know, look, he's a billionaire. He's worth eight billion or thereabouts. He won't. He won't care. But it is quite telling that um, you know it just they just cannot seem to get it right. They're already struggle to sell tickets, and uh, you have seen any number of fans cancel their season tickets because they're so done with it. Um, so I just think that again, the, the for for the the Jags, it's pretty startling that they have won a hundred percent more games than they did last year, and I would still have more faith in last year's Jags team beating this year's Jags team. Um, for for me, this comes down to how quickly can the the Patriots um, get off to to a start. There, they've lost the last two, but that's because they're they've given up 20, 21 points, 21 answered points in the first quarter, I think, in the last two games. Um, the Jags are going to get the number one pick overall uh, for the second year in a row, um, but that, that's about the only thing that they're, they're uh, going to get out of this season, and they'll probably, you know, they got a generational talent at, Q, at QB. He's not even into double digits in terms of touchdowns. It ever, it's they're like the antithesis of King Midas. Instead of everything turning to gold, everything turns to you-know-what. Michael, Michael, mute me, okay? <laughs> We've been fortunate to have Michael Lombardi on the show twice, and I was listening to his podcast during the week. He made a very good point, and Colin's touched on it. It doesn't matter who comes in as head coach until they get the front off, until they get the, the background sort, sort in terms of GM, you know, head, in the, head, head of operations, whatever you want to call it, they're going to continue to have season after season of self-destruction. Um, yeah, the, the, the Patriots' defense at the moment concerns me. I know they've gone up against two really good offenses in the Colts, and and the Bills, and we kind of said that about three or four weeks ago, we'll find out very quickly in terms of where the Patriots are, both offensively and defensively. But in this game, they won't struggle. They're going up against a team that hasn't scored a touchdown in seven of the last eight games. Look, we know Lawrence will be a great quarterback in the long run, but things have to change there. But for this game and for where the season's at and how important this game is for the Patriots, I'd imagine the Patriots will get this done very quickly and try focused in on big game next week in Miami. You, you gents are writing off the Jags, but you have to remember while they're two and thirteen, they are two and one against the AFC East. So they clearly have a number of that division, having uh, beaten the Dolphins and the Bills earlier in the season. Um, so this is really a tough, tricky game for the Patriots. Um, you know, uh, no, I can't build it up. I'm sorry. I, I was going to try for a while, but the reality is, uh, the Pats need this game. They need to win. They need to get back right, as Colin alluded to, uh, four wins is uh sorry um the first quarter the last while has been pathetic they've got themselves into big holes against the indy and buffalo nearly got out of them both times but nearly never made it so those two losses have put them in a difficult position if the pats win and either the raiders or the dolphins lose the patriots are confirmed into the playoffs as a wild card uh however if the pats win and both those results don't go their way the Patriots may still need to beat the Dolphins in week 18 to secure a place in the wild card uh, and in the playoffs. So uh, I don't really want to wait for that. I don't really want that to happen. So um, I'll be cheering on Indy this weekend, perhaps. What team is that again you need? So which team? The Raiders? The Raiders or the Dolphins lose and the Patriots beat the Jags. The Patriots are confirmed in the playoffs. Okay. 
And the significance of, and sorry, Mark, the significance of that is if the Dolphins do win, then essentially you could turn out to be one of the win your in scenarios for both of them next week. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. If if the Dolphins win, the Patriots win, and the Raiders win, whoever wins Miami New England game is definitely confirmed in. The other will be relying upon the Raiders to lose in week 18. Yeah. Because effectively the Colts will take one wild card spot, Pats or the Dolphins will take the other, and then it's a mishmash between Chargers, Raiders, and the other loser in that regard. The we one thing <laughs> Patriots win on a lot of the tiebreakers, but that that's what it boils down to. We got more tiebreaker possibilities, but please don't make me wait till week eighteen. Just get out of the way. Be good. I hope it I hope like as a neutral, I hope it wastes the eight week eighteen because there's not a lot. To look forward to next week at the minute if everyone sort of slants this weekend there's a lot of one-sided games i really hope that there's something to go next I, week i just want to give imagine, a shout out to the person that sorry i imagine the espn are really hoping for next weekend because they've got a double header next saturday they've been allocated a double header and they're going to be picking those games on the basis of what's significant for going to the playoffs so they don't want any you know games left you know there and there's very little to be decided next weekend they want something because you know NBC are going to be jumping on whenever they can move to Sunday night football next week as well so yeah and, and Brian to that point in the NFC there's a lot that's already decided because there's only one playoff spot still yeah. to fight for this team might get there though the Eagles we know we make you really happy anyway just want to give a shout out to the woman in, in the press conference last Sunday that made my Christmas um asking Bill Belichick a question directly after and his disgust really made me happy. Thank you very much. Keep keep doing that. She Eagle did. Michael, that's the thing. Don't mind it. She I she, I, keep, keep, that, that, that was the magnificent part. She, <laughs> he, he told her to follow up. He said maybe next week and she did follow it up yesterday and he still didn't give her an answer. So here's hoping even Tom Brady uh, commented on it. So here's hoping she follows it up again. Okay. Eagles eight and seven, WTF six and nine. Um, who have you got, Colin? Well, you're really spoiling us with the the lineup. So we've had the we've talked about the Giants, we've talked about the Jets. We're getting it all out of the we way. Ta- we talked about the <laughs> the Jags, um, and the the only ownership situation that might be worse is the Washington Football Team. Um, so their worst loss since uh, 2007 last week where their own players are, uh, you know, doing a Lee Boyer, Kieran Dyer on the, the sideline and punching the head off one another. Um, earlier in the season, we had um, raw sewage falling on fans in the stands um, as the stadium falls apart uh, because Snyder won't invest any, any uh, money. Now, maybe that's because he's so busy, you know, allegedly interfering in the NFL's investigation into his team and his conduct. Um, you know, who, who, who knows why he can't, uh, fix the, the stadium and the various problems with his team. Um, but it looks like the, the Washington football team have essentially kind of down tools that they're done. Um, everything just seems to, to kind of be going wrong for them. And this is one of the ones, Mark, you read that 3,500 word piece on momentum. This is probably one where we're going to get to see it. Philly are six and two in the, in the last eight games. One of those was a, a win for, for your giants, Brian. So at least there, there was that part to it. Um, but, this is a Philly team who have the best rushing attack in the league. And you ima- can you imagine where they might be if Nick Sirianni hadn't taken seven weeks to figure that out? 
Well done on running five times against the Cowboys, Nick. That was a real genius idea earlier in the year. Um, their O-line is absolutely fantastic um, and basically has been the kind of foundation stone that they've built everything um, on. I think that um, they will continue to, to do that tomorrow. Um, I think that this is, again, the, you know, the extra game this year is going to be good for uh, record-breaking, but for some teams, they just cannot wait for the, the season to end. Riverboat Ron has not had it easy, in fairness to, to him. He's done what he can, but between the injuries and the off-field stuff, I, I don't think he really had a chance um, this year. The Eagles dominated uh, the Washington football team um, back on just a few weeks ago um in in philly i think they're going to do the same especially when you consider um that uh gibson is out for the the washington football team i've got the eagles winning this yeah you touched on the off off the uh off the field stuff of the washington football team i mean we had that situation after the game i believe it was against the raiders where washington won i think maybe they're going to the bye week and and Coach Rivera suggested he was going to clean out, clean out all the antics going on in the in the in the locker room. Where well, we saw it raise its ugly head again last week. It was what we saw on the sideline last week was deplorable. They went from, you know, last year we were even in the you know preseason show we did, you know, in terms of looking at the season, we said that this Washington defense was really strong. And if they played the way they did last year, they were one of the best defenses last year. They've now gone statistically as the worst Washington defense since 1994 in the space of one season. That's how bad it's gone. And for, yeah, if the Eagles, like, who saw it coming? We certainly didn't. I didn't think they were a team that was going to be in the running for the playoffs. And that game, which the Giants beat them, they beat them because the Eagles got away from their own game in that, in that game. And all the Eagles fans were champing at the bit that Monday on Tuesday on local Philadelphia Raiders saying, what happened? Because we are a team that, you know, predominantly run, run, run. And if we had a round that day, we probably would have won the game. They ran for over 2,500 yards at this stage. So don't see any difference. I think they're going in the right direction to win this game. You've got the Cowboys next week, which a few weeks ago everybody would have said Cowboys will be resting up. I don't think that's going to be the case now because the way the Cowboys are going, they'll want to win to hold on to that number two seed. And it's a bigger game now than people would have expected a couple of weeks back. Yeah, but the Eagles could be resting up because if the Eagles win, Minnesota loses to Green Bay, which is going to happen. And uh, the, um, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Houston Texans, which is going to happen. The Eagles are confirmed as a wild card. And they, I, I think them and 49ers could flip-flop in terms of positioning, but there's not that much movement in terms of positioning. So they could potentially rest uh, their team in Week 18 if they were so minded to do so. Um, but you kind of alluded to it, Brian. It's, it's about the running game as well for them. Um, in The Princess Bride... Oh, did I mention that movie? Um, there were the rodents of unusual size, and the Philly rushing attack feels a bit like that this season. Sanders is uh, out. Howard might be out. But then what are they going to do? Well, they're going to just run Austin Scott and Kenneth Gainwell at this team. And they did fine with Sanders out for three games early in the season. They've got a platoon of running backs. And, of course, Jalen Hurts can move out the pocket when he when he likes to, when he's able to and when he wants to. Do, do I like Jalen Hurts as quarterback? I think my feelings on him as a long-term starter in the, in the NFL are well-documented at this stage. But do I like him to run a kind of college option type of running dominated uh, offense like they have been the last few weeks? Yeah, I actually do. Do I think it's been effective the last few weeks? Yeah, it actually absolutely has. And do I think they've got enough to beat the most dysfunctional team in the NFL? And given that the Houston Texans are also in the NFL, that is saying something. 
Yeah, I do. And I think they do secure up that wild card this weekend. Um, I mean, just one last thing on Washington. Ownership matters. Like, it really does. It is the third part of the trifecta, really. Ownership matters, coaching matters, the players matter. It does come together because poor ownership leads to bad situations, leads to bad structure, leads to bad decision-making all the way down. Um, you know, a lot of people go, is it Belichick or Brady that's the dynasty in, in, in New England? I've always said it's both, but you've also got to give Robert Kraft due credit. You've got to give due credit to the Mara family for how consistent the Giants were over the many years. I know they're getting a lot of criticism at the moment, Brian. Um, the Rooney family in, in Pittsburgh. The reason teams continue to be successful over years is because of great leadership. And yes, Denver as well. I should give a nod to, to Pat Bowden, of course, as well, gents. But it really does boil down to that is an important thing. See what happened in Jacksonville. See what's happened in Houston. See what's happened in Washington. Poor leadership, poor ownership does have a difference. Jalen Hurts two weeks ago had three passing touchdowns and interception, to be fair. 296 pass yards against Washington. Decent enough last week, Mark. 189 pass yards, clean enough, two touchdowns, getting the job done, getting the win. Um, look, Dallas Goddard is probably the key for this offense for Philly, but it doesn't really matter because no Gibson, no party. No, good night, Washington. Six no. years, seven, since, six nine, years nine since the seven. team did, did doubled up in uh, in that that matchup. Teams have beaten them twice in the season. Six years. That's how competitive the games have been over the years. And Brian, I'm trying to remember, is it 2004 or something the last time? Because Washington were the division champs last year. Was it 2004 now still? Yeah, still, yeah. Still goes, yeah. Since the last time the Eagles won it two back-to-back, yeah. Is there a division? A division? I know that there are individual rivalries, but is there a division where all of the four teams hate each other with such intensity as the NFC East? They absolutely despise one another. It's amazing. Every time they play each other, there's just chippiness to it. Oh, the Washington team all week are saying, we're going to do this tomorrow. We're going to win this game. And they've been giving it. They're saying all the right things. But it would have come to reality. I'm not sure. And that game two weeks ago, people were saying, oh, it was very one-sided. You know, for large parts of that game, it wasn't. It wasn't. I'm bearing in mind it was a torturing quarterback for Washington. Well, yeah, and, and Taylor Heineke should be back. And, you know, he's taken yeah. over Matt Stafford's mantle as the most entertaining red zone quarterback. But he's also thrown for 20 touchdowns in the season, which is double what Trevor Lawrence has thrown. He didn't even start the year as the starter in Washington. Coach Rivera deserves a win to, to round off the season. I think Washington should go and help the party. <laughs> Oh, here's a big have game. You, have you ever heard a, a more biased shout out in your life? <laughs> I, I, I was just trying to finish my pick. Um, I picked the Eagles. Gain well. Uh, oh, no, it's fine. It, it's 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 the NFC East. I, I I get it. It's a very important game. I I think it's great to see the Eagles are going to go what nine and nine and seven. Great thing is going on there, uh, and I think the NFC East next year is going to be a hell of a division. Uh, if Giants and Washington get their act together, it's going to be. It's going to be great to watch, uh, and I don't think I, I think this will be like the same sort of situation as last week. They won what 30, 34, 10 against the Giants. It'll be close enough to that. I don't think think Washington have a chance. Uh, let's let's run through some of these games. Uh, not this is a really good game. Raiders eight and seven, Colts nine and six. Um, this is the hell of a game called going into week seventeen. It's a really interesting one because the the Raiders, I just feel that when there's no pressure on, 
the Raiders can be fantastic. And they're the over the past few weeks, they they obviously they they beat the the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Then they went, they lost to Washington. They got it handed to them against the, the Chiefs. And everyone's kind of said, oh, well, that's it. That's their season done, given all the off-field stuff. Then they went and they uh, stumbled to a win against the, the Browns. They um, or they didn't they, they didn't have to, to get out of second gear to beat uh, a truly terrible Broncos team last week. And all of a sudden, um, they're sitting at eight and seven. So... It's it's one where they have been really good against the run. You'd have to say against the the Browns and the Broncos, uh, but I think both teams th- maybe thought that they'd be able to kind of um, run all over the Raiders, but uh, neither of them got over uh, ninety yards. Now in the Broncos' case, they only got eighteen, and Melvin Gordon had minus four yards. So you'd have to say the Raiders' rush defense has, has been really really good. I am fascinated to see how they will deal with Jonathan Taylor. I think that is going to be really interesting. Obviously, the other story on this game is Wentz. Uh, when the, it first happened and the different protocols were were there, he was out and the protocols changed. So he's back in. Uh, so truly, we see um, QB hokey cokey continue this year. Um, the other uh, big factor for the Colts, though, is um, Ryan Kelly will be back after that family uh, tragedy. And I don't know if um, people heard him speak during the week, um, but the way in which he talks about Frank Reich and the way in which Frank Reich treats his players is quite something. They really, um, you know, they, he really does care about his players as people, um, not just um, as uh, as players. And, and they respond... This is one where, you know, Carr has the the opportunity to, you know, put a marker down to show that he can be a real franchise um, QB. But I just think that the the Colts are um, looking to really, you know, after that slow start, get into the the playoffs and make life difficult for whoever they meet. When slightly to play, I'm going with the Colts. Yeah, Frank Reich, what a what a head coach. Bearing in mind that he kind of stumbled into the, the job. I know it's a quite a quite a while back now. You know, Josh McDaniels essentially pulled the plug on it on the very last day when he was due to fly and take that job and he was handed the job thereafter. He's done a great job throughout the years. You know, all week I was looking at angles as to how the Raiders will win, and Collins kind of stole me to him that I felt he yeah, had the run game. Haven't seen what they've done over the past few weeks. Job and like the Broncos run game this season, in particular the rookie Williams has been really good. And to do what they did last week, I thought was very impressive. But Taylor's a different beast. I mean, we've had our own internal conversation around whether he should be the MVP and it shouldn't go to a quarterback this year because he's been so good. And I find it very difficult to see that they'll be able to stop him. And all week, I do think the Raiders had a real opportunity, but the Wentz news was Wentz hasn't played fantastic over the past while. I think he still brings stability to the team in an offense that has continuously got improved as the season has gone on. And bear in mind where they were when we were in London and we were talking about them at one and four to be nine and six and arguably one of the hottest teams going into going into the playoffs potentially to come a long way. You, Colin, you said that the Raiders are great on a day where there's nothing at stake. Tomorrow's probably the biggest game they've had in quite some time and I don't see them winning. So for me, it's the Colts as well. Yeah, I mean, Colin, you mentioned Ryan Kelly, what him and his family have obviously gone through the last few weeks has been heartbreaking and you know thoughts and prayers go out to them all but um you know it's things like that that remind you again this is just a game there are much more important things uh than that and i know you guys kicked off the show before my internet wouldn't kick in 
um, talking about other people we've lost in the last uh, couple of days, obviously Dan Reeves uh, and especially John Madden. And you think of the emotional roller coaster for the Raiders as a franchise this year. It doesn't get more bizarre. Um, I mean, what was it? Um, all his famous line about Gubu, grotesque, unbelievable, bizarre, and unprecedented. Um, that is certainly what has faced the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, this season. Um, from the highs of getting fans back into their new stadium, the Elysian Stadium, to now obviously all the various uh, crises, Gruden sacking, Henry Ruggs and the sad loss of a lady's life um, during his instance, um, and subsequent trial obviously due to come, um, and now losing obviously the most iconic coach um, uh, in their franchise's history. Um, he was only a coach there 10 years, but I mean, th th that Raiders team is going to feel that. They're going to hear it. Um, from ownership they're going to hear it in the locker room they're going to hear it all week um they are going to be dealing with that and being told to represent effectively what madden stood for as well and what he stood for for that franchise um you know just win baby might get quoted a few times but does that emotional weight fuel you up or does it weigh you down um we won't know that until they kick off but that first quarter will tell me i think whether they are going to be supercharged by uh, all of the emotion and the extra drive and the extra... I mean, like I know this sounds a bit like win one for the Gipper type of territory, but the reality is it does happen. It does happen in professional sports, even at the highest levels, and we see it all the time. Um, but I actually feel it's going to go the opposite way. I just think it's been one too many blows for this team during the season. They're still in with the playoff shout. If they win out, they get into the playoffs. But the Colts have been absolutely on a tear. And Wentz playing... Is useful, but let's face it, the last few weeks, it's not like he's done much. What's more important for the Colts is that the COVID-19 protocols have allowed Darius Leonard to return to the team, and he is absolutely critical. And it's funny, Brian, you mentioned Josh McDaniels, because one of the biggest impacts McDaniels had in the Colts franchise wasn't actually Frank Reich necessarily, but it was Matt Eberflus, because McDaniels picked him and hired him oh, yeah, of course, as a defensive yeah. coordinator. And... He ultimately, when McDaniels turned down the job, Eberflus stayed. And he's like, he accepted the job still and he said, I've made a commitment. I'm not backing down from it. Yeah. And that's been a key part of what's driven the Colts over the last couple of years. Sorting out their run defense, sorting out their defense generally, drafting extremely well players like Leonard and others. Um, and for that reason, I see them continuing on the tear. They won't catch the Titans. There's too much left to do still. It's technically possible. It's not going to happen. But they will be a scary, scary side to face in the playoffs. Well, let, let's see with our game picks for the Titans that are on, see who's picked the Titans and who hasn't picked the Titans. Um, you've mentioned a lot of different points there. The, the offensive line for the Colts, for me, struggled the last couple of weeks, but it should be intact on Sunday. They're waiting to hear back about Fisher. You've mentioned there about Jonathan Taylor. I'm not going to repeat myself uh, or repeat what you're saying. T.Y. Hilton coming back into it. 51 yards at a touchdown last week. Um this team should beat the Raiders. I, I agree, Mark, with the whole thing about... Um, I forgot his name. John, I was going to say John O'Madden. I forgot to say about John Madden there, but um, I just don't think that's going to have as much of a relevance on this game. If, if the Raiders were still in Oakland and they had the hardcore fans there and this game was in Oakland, I think tomorrow I'd be putting the mortgage and, and the overdraft on the Raiders, but I think the Colts will win this game comfortably. And... The really interesting thing for the Raiders next week is they go they go to they either go to SoFi or they host the Chargers, um. So it's interesting. They go to SoFi. Interesting. 
take Not yeah, that game's in LA next week. If they were to win this and then they would win next week, I think I believe they're in. So you, they've got to. This is yeah. a, essentially this is a playoff game for them. You know, that's there's no more, no more defeats, no more um, opportunities yeah. thereafter. Yeah, if they if they win out, they're in because yeah. they'll have the tiebreaker of the Colts. I am taking the Colts twenty-four to fourteen. Derek Carr four interception. Okay. Uh, right, rolling on live here. Live. Yeah, yeah Fred has asked if we're live tonight. We are live, Fred. We are, we are live. in live and different color. Yeah. We talk how many days off? Nine days? Eight days? Oh, I can't hang on. If Fe- we're February the fifteenth. Doesn't, doesn't Colin have to say it with the Cork accent in Bill O'Hurley's tradition? Live. I uh live. Bill was such a legend, I, I I would never be able to to do him justice. Okay. I do wish I had one of the hats with the the hands, and I could say that Alf was cancelled and Home and Away was cancelled, <laughs> and we were staying on. Oh, what a moment! What a moment! Prayer at bedtime is cancelled. We're staying on. <laughs> right, C- careful now, careful now. Um, Falcons, Bills. Um, what what do we think of this game, boys? Uh, great, great win for the Bills last week on. Yeah, it was. And I had been critical uh, enough of the Bills over the course of the season because they had really, they'd beaten up on poor teams um, or or they'd been bullied. I, I felt that you could bully their O-line and their D-line, um, but not last week. And in fairness, if you're going to get a test, it's against the, the Patriots in, in the trenches and they, they stood up to it. Um, now they need to to do that in the playoffs as well. But the fact that they were able to do that against the, the play, uh, against the Patriots in Foxborough is a really good sign. Um, if, if you can't live with the Bills in the trenches or in you forget about it. They do beat up on bad teams. And my concern for the Falcons would be that they just are not yet there. Uh, I do think Arthur Smith has done some some nice things. And Matt Ryan has actually played well enough. Uh, he's played clean a lot of the time. Uh, and if the Falcons are to have any chance in this game, I really think that they can't afford to turn the ball over. You cannot give the Bills uh, the opportunity to you know have really good field position. But you saw the the Bills get back on track against the Patriots. And given that, and given that they they know what's at stake, I do think that this um, they will have enough. Josh Allen is kind of back to using um, his legs as well as throwing. Isaiah McKenzie came up really big last week. He has had a weird year because he started and he did a, um, a couple of um, kind of issues with um drops and, and muff punts so they kind of put him in storage then last week he came out of it and he had a great game um he is incredibly quick if you can get the ball into his hands um he is phenomenally quick and so i expect him to to feature as a, a part of it for for the falcons they're just still missing um kind of too too many pieces and their secondary i think is still an issue now not last week against uh, Boyle and the the Lions, but uh, Josh Allen is a, a different different beast, and Matt Ryan is going up against the the number one uh, defense. I got the Bills winning this and going to ten and six. Yeah, and just bear in mind that game last week, Mr. Falcons won against the Lions. The Lions had the ball at the end. <laughs> the, the Lions had the ball at the end to actually win the game. It wasn't a very, you know. 
very good performance from from the Falcons, and and I think the Bills will look at this if we can shut Cordell Patterson down. You know, essentially that's their main that's their main threat there. Um, me and Mark discussed during the week. Mark said earlier on about this is like once it's a gimme for the Patriots tomorrow against the Jags, but he could have said the same thing that the Bills have fought, fallen into a situation now where they have the Falcons at home and then the Jets to win the division, and um, it's it's hard to see any other result than than this. And I think the Bills broke a record last week. First time since 1950, a team has won 16 games in a row where they've won by 10 points or more. Still can't seem to get those close games over the line, but it's a significant record. Look, they're going in the right direction. You touched on McKenzie. Another player I'd call it was Gabriel Davis, wide receiver. He's been sporadic, starts the season well, goes missing last couple of weeks in that game down in Tampa. He played really well. And uh, look, they've got explosive players, but it's whether this run game is going to work because you're saying Josh Allen is using the legs again. He's using the legs because they've no other option. They can't get the run game going. He ran for, I think, over, over 50 yards last week, Mark. I think the line on the run for him was 32 and he ran for 50. So... They no run game in the playoffs. It's gonna it's gonna be a struggle. But for this game, Falcons aren't going to playoffs fourth season in a row. They've missed the playoffs and Bills all day for me. Yeah, I mean, not only did he run Brian, but the the Bills didn't even have to punt last week um, because they kept going up and down the field against that Patriots defense. Um, I think they got points on six of the seven drives. The only one they didn't was a a missed field goal, but. Uh, they were very impressive last week, um, offensively. Defensively, they've been tight all season. Um, very few yards given up. I think they're best in the league in terms of yards given up, third best in terms of uh, points given up. So they've got the formula. Um, the reality is their swagger, uh, and Stefan Diggs has been talking about this week, has returned. And the, where it returned, you can pinpoint it. It was losing to Tampa Bay. Because you remember, they were down 24-3 in that game. And they nearly pulled it back and ended up in an overtime victory by Tampa Bay. But since that moment, 24-3 down, they've been on fire uh, for 10 quarters in a row. Um, right time to be firing on all cylinders. Right time. Very well-deserved win last week. Uh, hateful as it is for me to say. And yes, I'm praying, of course, for a Falcons win here for selfish reasons, for the keeping the division uh, an option for the Patriots. But it's hard to make a case for it. The Falcons are seven and two in the close games, so maybe Brian, if it is a close game, that the the Bills will fallacy will come to play. But the Falcons are also one and six against teams with a winning record, um, so maybe I shouldn't pin my hopes too much uh, on the Falcons in that regard. Um, unlike you guys, I just see the Bills as having too many weapons. Yes, they've had their stumbles. Yes, they haven't looked impressive all season long, <coughs> losing to the Jags, for example. But they are on a roll. They're moving in the right direction. The next two games should not give them difficulty. And then, my God, it's the playoffs, and that's when it really counts. Yeah, I saw you. I, I watched that Lawrence Times interview back during the weekend. You know that point where he spoke about that 2007 season, that last game of the season, going up against the Patriots and how competitive they were, and it helped as a springboard for the playoffs. And actually, to, to Mark's points, the fourth team I thought of this year was the Bills in terms of that game in Buffalo, or sorry, down in Tampa. Gone up against the best in terms of who won the Super Bowl last year. Nearly won it, didn't. You can look at it as a, a benchmark for the remainder of the season. And and secretly, you just want another way of bringing up Lawrence Times, bringing up that 2007 victory against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I, I know. Great, great show, great interview. Anybody who hasn't watched it has missed out on a good one. Especially when he starts talking about the old Scotland live and um, we'll get him back on about the, uh, the kicking incident in Kansas City. But anyway, for another show. Yes. 
for another show. I, I, I was very impressed with uh, the way the Buffalo Bills played on both sides of the ball last week in New England. Uh, it doesn't matter until the offseason. The Buffalo Bills, again, have disappointed me too much. Uh, but look, fair play to them. Great performance last week. Let's see if they can keep this up against the Falcons team, which they should beat. You know, the, the, the talent they have, they should be beating this Falcons team. Maybe not comfortably, but within the, you know, 10, 15 points. You could say you, you could probably call that comfortably. I, I'm going to focus on Kyle Pitts. He is, get the official written down thing here, second rookie tight end of all time with 900 plus receiving yards. The man hasn't scored a touchdown in America yet. So if you're ready to go, Kyle, now might be the time. Uh, fair, fair play to Mark for picking the Bills here. I actually thought you would use your heart this week and, and go with the Falcons, but I just can't see how they're going to. I, I understand they can run the ball against the Bills, but the Bills have far too many weapons on both sides of the ball. They should win this game comfortably. 10-6, and they look to wrap up the division next week. And fair play to them. I just caught out, like, you're trying to give any glimmer of hope to the Falcons. There was a couple of games this season, um, well, they won a few weeks ago against the Panthers. The score at the end was very comfortable, but it took a long while before they actually pulled away from the Panthers. And then when they played Miami, I mean, they only pulled away in the fourth quarter, and that's when the Dolphins were struggling. It's not the same Dolphins team we're going to discuss now in the next game. So there has been games at home this season where, yeah, they've got over mm-hmm. the line, but it hasn't been as comprehensive as we as we felt when we were previewing the games and making our selections. So the Falcons are such an up-and-down team, you just never know. Yeah, I mean, Michael, the division race isn't yet fully dead. It's mostly dead. It's not fully dead. It's mostly dead. So I'm hoping Miracle Max can, you know, survive. It's never, it's never dead with the Patriots until until there's no time left in the fourth. Uh, it's, it's never dead. And that, that's the one thing I've learned this season, to just shut my mouth and... And, and hope for the best and sign on. Okay. Uh, well, you're talking there about the Titans earlier on and the Colts, so I can't wait to see everyone who they're going to pick in this game now because, you know, Titans still have a chance. 10-5, and five, Dolphins 8-7. and seven. We've had every game has been a, a clean slate apart from that Giants game, so thanks, Mark, for that. Uh, very easy to edit. Uh, who have you got calling in this game? The, the Titans should have more than a chance at, at 10-5. and five. Um, and their offense did show signs of life um, last week with the return of A.J. Brown. But ultimately, uh, Jimmy G cost the, the 49ers. Um, when crunch time came, Jimmy crumbled again. Um, and uh, we'll talk more about him um, later on. But I think this game ultimately comes down to Ryan Tannehill um, against Brian Flores's defense and the way in which he blitzes. And really, it's going to come down to the Titans' ability to be third and short rather than third and long. Uh, Tannehill has taken 45 sacks this year, um, and he struggles massively under pressure. Uh, He's 23rd in in, uh, QBR, he's 31st in touchdown interceptions under pressure, and he's dead last in yards per dropback. 1.2 1.2 yards he averages when under pressure. He is going to be coming up against a Dolphins defense that has the highest pressure rate in the NFL. And they love nothing more. Brian Flores, I suppose, jump started this um kind of comeback that the Dolphins have been on when they just uh I suppose, destroyed Lamar Jackson in that one game. Didn't destroy Lamar Jackson's career. He's still a very good QB. But they came up with a way to absolutely confuse him, to befuddle the Ravens, 
and they have you they've been able to to ride that wave ever since um we know how talented flores um has been and i think brian and i were both saying we thought they they were a shoe in for the playoffs before the season started then obviously things took a really bad turn and all of a sudden they sit at eight and seven I am going to say that I think the, the Titans are still not back to where they can be. And when you don't have Derrick Henry, that's a huge loss. Um, and that Julio is out as well. I think that the Dolphins and Brian Flores will dial up all sorts of blitzes, all sorts of pressures. And I think Tannehill is going to be under pressure all day. I'm going to go for the Dolphins to, to win a, a really close one and move to nine and seven. I think maybe Mark Cockle was the man who jump-started the season because he was the one that gave those nice little questions to Brian Flores. I know he lost the week, the following week to Atlanta, but things turned around after that. And while they were all chopping at the bit in that press room, Mark was a little bit more subtle and nice towards him. So maybe Mark, you know, put the little arm around the shoulder and got the Dolphins going again. A Dolphins defense that has only given up an average of 11 and a half points a game since week nine. You know, Xavier Howard, standout player for them, cornerback, going up against... Um, Brown, AJ Brown, but you've touched on it. AJ Brown can be taking out games, and where does that leave him? Because their own game has been sporadic. The last three games for the Titans, they beat the Jags 20 0, and everybody went, oh, okay, it's the Jags, but they didn't do very much on offense. They went into Pittsburgh, you couldn't get it done on offense, you know, and the Steelers took, came back and beat them. And last week, yeah, Colin, you're right, like red zone interceptions are, are the killer. And the, the Fortuners turned the ball over too many times in that game and left the Titans hanging around. And in fairness to the Titans, fair play, they took advantage of it. They still only put up 20 points. I'm with the Dolphins as well. I think the defense will do enough to shut down this Titans offense. And Tua, who doesn't get a lot of praises, you know, motoring in the night in a good direction. They don't put up a lot of points themselves, but because they didn't put up more than 20, I think it'd be a close game. Dolphins win by a field goal. Um, the Dolphins offensive line can still be a, a liability at times. Tua, at least twice a game, will just arm punt something down into double coverage because he just thinks it's a good idea and he doesn't use the weapons he has in people like Waddle and Landry just as half as much as really it feels like he should do or um the man mountain my man crush Mike Kosicki who's just he's just so big he's so big it's unreal um but in a serious note Brian's alluded to it that defense has been unreal and we've talked a lot about you know some good defenses this season the Dolphins' defense is more surprising because it was playing abysmally. But Brian Flores is a brilliant coach. He is a brilliant defensive coach. And yes, Brian, you're right. When we were talking in London, I was a bit gobsmacked at how aggressive the Dolphins' uh, pool reporters were. It was like, oh, he's gone. We've got to get rid of him. Oh, you know, coach, you're on such a terrible losing streak. And yeah, in the aftermath of losing to the Jags, you can understand their, their frustration, the fan base's frustration. But I think he's proved the turnaround what he's building there in Miami is worthwhile. Whether two is the long-term answer as well, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't think they're, uh, the the public rumours about Deshaun Watson at various times are completely without merit, even if maybe it's not Flores that wants him, maybe it's Stephen Ross that wants him. But the reality is what they've done this season is remarkable, deserves due acknowledgement, first team in history, seven consecutive losses to be followed up by seven consecutive wins. Um, they are absolutely in the wild card hunt. Card hunt. And the reality is this is a great matchup for them in many ways. This is a great matchup. The Titans, as we saw in the last few weeks, 
are extremely limited offensively with the injuries they've suffered. A.J. Brown came back for that 49ers game. Fantastic. They needed him. They needed every yard and every catch. But look what he did. He had half the targets. He had half of the total catches. And in receiving yards, he had 75% of the overall receiving yards. It was a one-man show. And the reality is the Dolphins have an eraser in X and Xavier Howard. Um, and he could probably cover A.J. Brown for most of the game without safety help. But, yeah, double cover A.J. Brown. Why wouldn't you? Because he's literally the only threat that they've shown, the only threat that they need to worry about. Can the Titans move the ball on the ground? Yes, they can. Can they move it successfully against this Dolphins defense? I have my doubts. Um, for me, I'm not saying it's a whitewash. It's going to be a really competitive game. Both teams are able to play some great football. Um, but I think the Dolphins will put it together. So I've got the Dolphins to win this game. And Michael, the Titans will still win the division because next week they play the Texans. And that's why. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, it's, I'm happy you mentioned that San Francisco game because we haven't talked to each other since. So that went well for the 49ers, didn't it? I watched that game. Titans, Titans were all right that game, boys. Uh, like there's, there's two different elements here. Like the Titans have obviously had a longer break than most teams. And the Dolphins had a bye week last week. Let's let's not, come on now, and I know it was out of their control. But Jesus Christ, boys, that was a bye week for the Dolphins last week. That was one of the worst games I have ever Thank God I didn't watch it live. Crap. Like, absolute rubbish in New Orleans last week. Sean Payton, as Adam Rank says, it might be time to go to Chicago. Anyway, let's let's focus on this game. If I'm a Titans <laughs> fan, if I'm... I mean, the Saints have had I, some I, I'm good just, I'm just repeating what I'm just repeating what Adam Rank did say. Was Adam dressed as a character from the Karate Kid when he said that? Because he did a video earlier. It was, it was very it was a funny. funny tweet. Like, it was He's just saying what he wants. Anyway. doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> hey, look, great, great win for the Dolphins last week against the Saints. But I mean, uh, again, what I would say is, sorry, Michael, you're right, actually, though. I know you're going to make a big, sorry, Peter King came out and said the same during the week. He said the, the league needs to look at this next season because you can't have games like that, especially when it's on Monday night and a situation where if a rookie's been thrown in two or three days because of the COVID situation. You, maybe that will change now going forward next season because these new um, stipulations and protocols might just I mean we, we don't see that happen as often next year. Sorry, Michael. No, it's fine. I, I think the NFL will. No, 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 COVID. No, I don't. I don't think it'll exist next year. Uh, so it, it remains to be seen. That 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 game on Monday night was a complete disgrace, and we did set up auto tweets. So if you did interact with a tweet at one forty-five a.m., because like fifteen people did, thank you for doing that. But that that game was just atrocious, uh, and it was a bye week. Fair, fair play to Miami. Going back to the Titans, AJ Brown, uh, as you said, Mark correctly. Like, was it 16 out of Tannehill's 29 pass attempts against San Francisco were for AJ Brown? 11 of his 22 completions all went Brown's way. Uh, but the CDC have took it down to five days. Titans are getting some boys back. And look, there's, there's, not, a lot, there's not a lot of love being given to this Titans team over the last two or three weeks on this show. Uh, they're really going to have their hands full with the front seven of Miami. 45 sacks for the Dolphins. But there's no reason why Tannehill can't make it can't make it work. If he can't get it down to AJ Brown, he runs, baby. Uh, I'm 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 taking the Titans. I'm taking the Titans to win 24 21. I think it's gonna be a great game. And um, I I think the Dolphins are a good team, but I don't think they were as good as maybe some, not on this show, maybe on ESPN get up on Tuesday morning have stated. 
but I, I think I think the I think the Titans will win. I think the Titans will improve to eleven and five, and I really like the Titans. In a quite honestly, an, an AFC you cannot call. I, I like the Titans going into this last stretch of the season. Don't bet against Mike Mike Vrabel. Yeah, you say don't bet against Mike Vrabel, Michael. I mentioned the weakness on the Dolphins' offensive line. Bud Dupree's been activated. Harold Landry's mm. having an amazing season. The front four of the Titans have been getting consistent pressure, so they could dominate the game. And Mike Vrabel is on course. I mean, when they, as I think, will secure the AFC South. That's the first time since the 60s that the Titans uh, would have had, obviously the Oilers back then, uh, would have secured back-to-back divisional titles. Um, so, like, you know, I think it, they'll, they'll be the first time they actually make the playoffs three years in a row since the run-and-shoot uh, era, um, which was a lot of fun, in fairness. Uh, but <laughs> you know, that's that's the type of thing he has turned around the franchise. <laughs> hey, uh, no, boys, boys. Oh, happy on. New Year, Keith. Happy New Year. Hi, on here with these, but just for people listening on the podcast, uh, I fully support my pick for the Titans. And I think the Titans will win this game. I, I there's there's a lot of talk about certain teams on this show, and I don't think the Dolphins are going to win this game. I really don't like, and I don't want to put myself out there by saying that, but I don't think they're going to go to Tennessee and beat the Titans. I don't. Okay. Well, well, Michael, the other thing is, bear in mind, you won't be alone in this because, in the same way that I'm secretly cheering on Indy against the Raiders because it suits my team and the permutations, there are a lot of teams that will want the Dolphins to lose. Chargers fans, for example. Dare I say Broncos fans, for example, because they're in competition for this thing. I know I'm laughing about it. Chargers fans, really, guys, I know. But seriously, any of those other teams that are still in with a shout, are they praying that the Titans are going to beat the Dolphins and, and cause them to, to fall backwards? I mean, I wouldn't be the most upset, bear in mind, that equally, if the Titans could beat the Dolphins in this regard. But uh, I always love this time of the season where everyone's working out the permutations and, again, if you're a Chargers fan, you know, in week four, do you care passionately about what happens between the Dolphins and the Titans? No. When it gets to week 17, you really care in relation to it because of how it can affect your team. This this game is not like one of those games where tomorrow evening it's over. If the Titans win, we're all going to go, God, I didn't see that coming. This is going to be a, this is a close game for me. And it just, I just feel like what we're seeing from the Dolphins defense, if we look back at what we said in our preview show where me and Colin, I don't sure where Mark went with that film that role, but me and Colin selected them to make the playoffs. And we called them as a wild card. We set it predominantly because of a really strong defense. And what we're seeing now is coming to pass. That defense is playing at the level that we expected, which we didn't see for large parts of the early, early on in the season. But if the Titans win, I won't be surprised. It's going to be one I of those need, I need to go back to our preview show because I can't remember who I picked. Oh, I have them on here, Mark. I have them on here. The charges to be wild card teams. So I do remember that bit, but I can't remember who I picked third. I picked uh, I, I picked Minnesota to win the NFC North. I remember that. Talk about that in a bit. Uh, hi to the Irish Titans. You can see again, boys, people are doubting the Titans. I'm not doubting the Titans. 10, 11, 11 and 5 tomorrow. But I, of course, like the Titans have been, I mean, the Titans should have beaten the Ravens last year. I mean, had their, you know, um, all, all that went mm. on. No, I don't think anyone, like, we all enjoy, I massively enjoyed Vrabel. Um, doing a, a Belichick to to Belichick uh, when when that happened, 
Um, yes, Mark, it was it was magnificent because Bill loves to do it, and he smiled earlier in that same season when he had done the exact same thing against the the Jets, and all Jets. of a sudden when Vrabel did it, he didn't take too too kindly to it. So I don't think anyone is is down. The reason I I have been down on the Titans over the last few weeks is because they lost Derrick Henry. They lost the best running back in the league. But who who what did it take? Did it take four weeks for the next? Running back to surpass his his total, um, and I think that's a huge loss. And I don't I don't think they've bounced back from it. And I think Tannehill has struggled a little a little um, this year. But Mark has highlighted their their the way in which their uh, they've got interior pressure in particular has been really good. And with Vrabel, they'll hang about. I just think the Dolphins seem to have this incredible momentum at the moment, and I think they match up well. But yeah, could the Titans get the, the victory? Absolutely, as Marcus pointed out, that that O line of the Dolphins that would be a huge concern. Let's look ahead to the next game. I think we can talk about that game all night. Uh, you can see that my keyboard didn't work at the bottom of the eight and seven Ravens. Uh, yes, they're going up against the Rams uh, in Baltimore. So the Ravens had the Packers game in between. And now the Rams. And it looks as if, at the time of this recording, if you're on the podcast, it looks as if, Colm, no Lamar Jackson again. Um, is it like the Champions League final in three weeks and he's been wrapped in cotton wool or Champa Champo starting or something? Or what, what's going on? Because he'd need to get back in that field quite pretty soon if he's sitting at eight and seven. Well, he's, his ankle injury that um, didn't draw a flag because apparently if you put a hand on the QB, that's not okay. But diving low at the QB's ankle, which has now put him out for, is this week three um, that, that he'll miss? And he's still limping um, by all accounts, a pronounced limp. Um, so quite whether he makes it back at all uh, remains to be seen. And the reason he might not make it back at all is because um, the, the Ravens secondary might ensure that they don't make the the playoffs. I mean, they were almost pulling guys off the couch last week to to play in in the secondary. And um, Joe Burrow um, thoroughly enjoyed him, himself uh, doing that. Uh, they they will start Huntley by the sounds of things. Um, which I mean, in fairness to to Huntley, you'd have to say um, he beat the Bears. And he almost dragged them. They were in a hole when he came in against the, the Browns, and he almost dragged them to victory. They could have gone to overtime against the, the Packers, a, a shootout with Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I don't think they have concerns about uh, Huntley if Huntley comes in. But the issue is that um, the, the secondary is a, is a disaster. I mean, they've allowed, in man, in man coverage, they've allowed 23 touchdown passes, um, and they've only had three interceptions. And uh, Matthew Stafford loves play when it's uh, man coverage. Um, that is when he's at his best. The concern for the, the Rams, I suppose, is that Stafford has been sloppy. Um, and in the playoffs, he's going to have to clean up those turnovers. He can't throw the number of interceptions um, that he has. Uh, I think the the other thing on on this is um, Aaron Donald has just turned on the turbo boosters over the past month. He has 33 pressures uh, over the past month, um, and the Ravens have given up 49 sacks this season. Uh, so it could be uh, a long day for for Huntley. Um, Cooper Cup is the 
the superstar for for the Rams. So Michael Parsons say he should be the the MVP, and he has the opportunity. Um, I saw a stat say it, to be the fourth um, player since 1970 um, to potentially lead the league in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. The others being Steve Smith, Sterling Sharp, um, and the one and only Jerry Rice. Uh, so the this is one where eventually the injuries are, are coming to to bite the the ravens i have the the rams wi- winning this for all of john harbaugh's magic you can only hold it together with sticky tape and plasters for so long we spoke about momentum on the show over the past few weeks and we spoke about earlier on in the show this evening and as the rams are building a nice little momentum piece you know they're four now in december quietly going about our business not a lot of people are are expecting them to go a long way in the playoffs, but they're they're moving in the right direction. They're winning games. The last time they went four 0 in December, ninety nine and two thousand and one, and they went to the Super Bowl both years. I know very different eras, but same time they'll be reflecting on things like that as an extra momentum to get them there. The Ravens team are in self destructed stage, and it's all down to the you know obviously the the injury. The Jackson injury didn't surprise me in the sense of how long he's been out because he got a high ankle sprain, and we've seen players this season get high ankle sprains in different positions, but they were gone for five to six weeks. But yeah, all of a sudden everybody said, well, Jackson will be back because he's so athletic. At the end of the day, it's an injury that he needs. If he has, if he's not on his game in terms of what he brings to the team, he's not just a pocket passer. You know, he needs, he gets out on the perimeter. He's running. He's limited. Huntley's a better quarterback right now to get them over the line. We saw what he did a few weeks ago. He's going to play. Still don't think it'll be enough. And Akers, you know, we should see more of him now this week. Mark touched on it last week. He's been activated. You know, he always was their number one running back before he got that unfortunate injury in the offseason. So with him back making the push, they have a big chance to go on and potentially make waves in the playoffs. So for me, the Rams will win the game. Um, I think uh, Mark Andrews is 15 yards off the all-time single-season uh, receiving record for the Ravens. And I think, you know, rightly, he's had an amazing season. He's going to set that record this year and it's going to be in this game. Uh, Cooper Cup is only 231 yards off the all-time receiving record set by Megatron when he was receiving passes from, oh, that's right, Matthew Stafford. And there's a chance Cooper Cup could break it just in this game. The Ravens don't have anybody. Like, I mean, they, they, they are literally pulling people from the street to play cornerback for them. And this is not the team you want that to happen against. I mean, Joe Burrow last week, 525 yards the fourth most passing yards in NFL history. Um, To say that they had fun would be putting it mildly. Um, I just can't see a way. Um, And yes, John Harbaugh is an amazing coach, but he's been exposed the last few weeks because he just doesn't have the players left. The injuries have taken a toll. The lack of coverage in the secondary is just too much to overcome. And this, along with maybe the Bucs, is probably the last team you want to see at this point in time. When you're dealing with that amount of injuries in that positional uh, position, uh, positional position. Um, not only that, the Ravens have also got a fundamental flaw. They've pissed off Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald this week came out and he said, I remember a couple of years ago when we lost 42, 45, 6, uh, when they've scored five touchdowns against us in prime time. He said, That's lit a fire under me personally. Of all the people you don't want to annoy, Aaron Donald has got to be in the top one. And ultimately, Aaron Donald is going to stand there and he say, my name is Aaron Donald. You insulted my team. Prepare to die in the good traditions of Inigo Montoya. So 
for me, it's the Rams all the way in this game. <laughs> Owen is saying, lads, you pulled down the decorations very early, 6th of January. Shagger. Uh, unless you're Mark and can't even afford a light bulb. Yeah, I, I love that comment, Mark. My um, my wife, who I you know obviously love, made me take down the decorations today. I was like, oh, relax, New Year's. Yeah, take them down. Don't worry, Michael, they're coming down in the morning here as well. So well, I probably put them up too early. You put them up too early, but the time of Christmas comes, you're going, can't no. them anymore. My, my, Michael, my wife, who I obviously love, I mean, I'm sure your wife would be delighted with that declaration of love you just gave there uh, publicly, but my <laughs> wife, who I love, uh, actually made us put up our decorations in the middle of November. But one of my kids has their birthday on New Year's Eve, so we always make a point of getting the, kitchen, the Christmas decorations out the way for his birthday so he can celebrate. Colin's taking it. Colin's taking his decoration down on, on Sunday week when the season's over for the Broncos. Just by him. I was going to say, the, <laughs> the Chris Harris jersey's gone, Colin. I was going to say it. Is it because yeah. of this weekend? He, he's not playing because of this weekend. He's, he's not playing this. Um, what, what I would say, Owen, is Mark's money, uh, he might not have light bulbs. He has a Learjet. So, you know, priorities. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right. Um, I actually, I... Uh, I'm gonna be like they're really annoying. Like, no, I'm not gonna change my pick. I'm not. But there is a there's a real argument there with with Tyler Huntley and Devonta Freeman and Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. I mean, this team nearly took nearly took the Packers out two weeks ago. And if it wasn't for the ineptitude of a coach to just kick it over the, you know, all right, let's let's not start the comments. Harbour's already had a bad enough weekend in his own house. Um. You know, the Ravens put up points against the Packers. Why can't they put up points against the Rams? I think the problem they're going to have against the Rams is offensively, they're too good. Cooper Cup's going to have a day. Um, but no, I'm going to stick with the Rams. But like, it's, it's, I think it's going to be that banana skin game. Like, the Ravens need to win this, but big time. Like, and no, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Rams. And we're not going to talk about it because we've got seven games to talk about here, and it's 11 30 at night. This is a game of the week. Uh, the, the, all the Bengals fans, and we can say this because it's eleven thirty, and we're ninety minutes into the show. All the Bengals fans have been given out online because they're on Sky again. Um, I actually think now I will use up my segment of this game preview by saying this. I think there should be uh, a cap of how many games you're allowed to be on television because people are paying for Game Pass. Either take the black eye out, or there should be a cap. And um, I think it's a disservice. For, for some fans and I, and I completely understand where they're coming from however I wish my team was that good for my team to be on TV every other week Colin the Chiefs have resurged they're, they're, they're 11 and 4 and Joe Burrow made me look like a complete moron last week who have you got for this game on Sunday yeah, the reason the, the Bengals are on TV a lot is because they are very exciting to watch. They're the first team in NFL history to have a 4,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and 2,000-yard receivers who are all 25 or younger. Um, so they are incredibly talented, um, but they're not shy about shouting that from the rooftops. Uh, I saw... Um, Tyler, Tyler Boyd uh, was waving bye-bye to the Ravens' buses uh, last last week. Um, and he also spoke to James Palmer. Um, and, Mark, funny you mentioned uh, Megatron, because according to Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins is Megatron. Um, Joe Burrow is Tom Brady and gets better and better and better under, under pressure. 
Um, now, yeah, Steve, Steve Spagnuolo also called uh, Burrow a young Tom Brady, but I think that's learning from what the Ravens um, did last week. Um, but Boyd said that they will beat the Chiefs and win the division, and they will show that they're the team to beat in the NFL. Um, it, it sets it up. Uh, you know, I imagine the Chiefs are going to pin that uh, to the board tomorrow, and uh, Chris Jones uh, will have uh, that on, on his mind. Look, Burrow was absolutely brilliant uh, last week. 525 yards, as we said. Apparently, though, PFF think that Drew Locke's 153 yards and no touchdowns was more impressive as they ranked him higher um, in terms of their... They had Drew Locke as the third highest-ranked QB last week. 153 yards, zero touchdowns. Um, Joe Burrow, 525 yards. Make it that what you will. I, I don't understand that. Um, and I do generally really like PFF, but that makes no sense to me. Um, Burrow has, has what a season. Look, 30 touchdowns, um, 14 uh, interceptions, and all that despite taking 47 sacks. Um, so they still have issues with the, the line, but given what, you know, that they are just explosive to watch and they're really fun to watch. Um, I, I, think that as well Trey Hendrickson 14 uh, sacks so he has been one of the free agency acquisitions of the offseason um, but they are going up against the Chiefs um, and uh, that will it should be a really interesting game uh, Mahomes had a, a you know has I suppose a, a return to where he can be um, getting there anyway after kind of the first wobble of his uh, young career um, but he's eight touchdowns and, and one interception in the last three games. He, he was good last week and he was without Travis Kelsey. Now, Mark, you're not a Philistine, so I'm sure you know about Samson. Can you can you tell us the story about Samson? What, what, how, how did Samson lose his, his mighty strength? It was cut off him by a winch. Good old Delilah yes. cutting off his hair. But Delilah did it. It wasn't that Samson self-inflicted it. Let's be well, Travis Kelsey self-inflicted it because he shaved off his beard. Um, but the beard is back and Travis Kelsey is back because before he missed that game, he went for 191 yards. Um, the other thing about the Bengals is that Josh Johnson put up 300 yards on them last week. Um, and if, if you're if you're going to, to have a go at them, um, it's best to, to go at their secondary, um, particularly their um, safeties. So expect Kelsey if he uh, if he is, and I believe he's back off the COVID list to have a, a big yeah. game. Um, the Chiefs also have two plus takeaways, at least two takeaways in each of their last seven games. Um, only three teams have given up fewer points than the Chiefs. This should be an absolute um, humdinger of a game. Shout out to Nancy Reagan. Um, but I am going to go with the Chiefs to win this. Mark, before you came on, we discussed the three the three eras of Madden. The first one being the, when he was the coach, the second one when he was the commentator, and the third one being the gamers. The gamers don't like hearing things like the Chiefs defense has only given up an average of 12 points a game since week eight, because that's boring stuff. They want the 30, 40 points that we're used to seeing from the Chiefs. It's a different Chiefs now. But they're coming back to what we saw last season in terms of the last few weeks. So it's a come-to-the-party game for the Bengals. Yeah, so this season they've beaten Pittsburgh twice, not going to the playoffs. They've beaten the Ravens twice, not going to the playoffs. They've beaten the Lions, not going to the playoffs. They beat the Broncos, sorry guys, not going to the playoffs. They've beaten the Raiders, they're not going to be in the playoffs. They've beaten the Jags and they've beaten the Vikings. So nobody will be in the playoffs 
they won't be beating the team that's going to win the Super Bowl this year on Sunday. Absolutely not a chance. Uh, Chiefs haven't won there since 1984. That's going to get corrected this weekend. It's going to be a blowout for the Chiefs. <laughs> wow. Um, Jesus Christ. Well, I, I'm going to try and be a bit more balanced than that um, because <laughs> um, I'm going to look at the running games of both teams. And let's face it, um, the, the Chiefs, one of the reasons for their resurgence in my mind over the last while, and we talked earlier about teams who were streaking at the right time and the Bills were brought up. Bear in mind, the Chiefs are the hardest team in the NFL. Eight straight wins in relation to it. You know, they were three and four. They've got the, not only the ship back on track, the ship's on speedboat firing off at the 100 miles an hour. Um, is everything working smoothly? Of course not. But one of the reasons it's been back on track is because of the balance in the game. You know, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think, has been an underrated part of their offense in terms of moving sticks and having a consistency in the running game. He's out this week. Joe Mixon is not out. And Mixon and that Bengals uh, offense ticks when he can control the ball and pound it down. I mean, yes, for all the splashiness of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, strange. I never knew that Megatron was the number two receiver on his own team. Um, but clearly that's a, a mistake people are making if they're describing T. Higgins as Megatron uh, in that regard. Um, uh, the splashiness works, but it's actually been the consistency in the run game for me um, that has fueled the Bengals when they play good. But the Bengals have been hit and miss at times. I mean, every they're not quite at Minnesota levels, but every time I've started to believe in them a little bit, they throw an absolute clunker of a game in. I think this is going to be a great game. I think the Bengals are rising to the challenge and they're going to go in with a lot of confidence, especially after last week. How could you not go in with a lot of confidence to this particular game? It's at home. Everyone is going to be pumped. But I think the Chiefs are definitely searching at the right time. Um, and again, guys, if they win... And the Titans lose, as uh, I've predicted, and I think a couple of us predicted, or three of us predicted, the Chiefs seal the number one seed in the FCE. You know, for all the angst, for all the hand wringing, with a week to go, they've got the real chance of sealing the number one seed. So um, for me, it's the Chiefs. I think they're the hottest team in the AFC. They are the team still to beat. Um, and it's strange after such a season of tightness. Going into the last couple of weeks of the season, it's very clear to me the Chiefs are far and away the best team in the AFC and the Packers are far and away the best team in the NFC. But we all know the playoffs don't play out that way, but you know, that's definitely how it's trending. Some lovely comments. Uh, Ireland's tip the Bengals has said the following. Oh, here we go. And then this is all different comments. Media is putting us on the pedestal, not fans, etc. Four Chiefs coming up here. Uh, and I think the O was whenever Brian said they're going to get completely played off the field by the Chiefs. Is this game in Arrowhead? No, it's in Cincy. No, it's in Ohio. Yeah. Right. Blow okay. <laughs> um, he's saying every team has lost teams they shouldn't have to this year. And I, I, I completely Fair agree with you. Yeah. You know, the Tennessee Titans beat the Chiefs 27-3 in, in October. Um. Uh, the Chiefs have the Chiefs have bounced back. It's were 48, 48 against the Raiders. He had a bye week last week against the Steelers. Uh, so they should be fresh for this game. That was a joke. They've done very well last week. I how can I go against the Bengals after last week? Uh, they were unbelievable last week. Unbelievable last. Like I mean, geez, what five touchdowns from Joe Burrow? Come on. Against a secondary for the Ravens that's non-existent, as the lads have said, they're taking people off the streets. 
they've lost the home to the charge and they lost the home to you can only beat what's put you can only beat what's put in front of you and this chiefs team have only i've lost two games less than the Bengals. like you know they're not they're probably the best team in the fc but they're not they're not formidable they're 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 not formidable patrick mahomes could go in tomorrow and still free score three or four passing touchdowns hand the ball off a couple of times and joe burrow should be able to based on his performance over the last few weeks especially last week he should technically going by what Bengals fans said he should go out and he should be able to try and rectify that with mixon or t higgins or jamar chase or whoever um look i think the chiefs are going to win this game um but i don't want them to win the game and for numerous reasons the chiefs will win next week and they'll go um 12 and 5 next week and still win the afc uh i'm gonna pick the Bengals just for the crack uh i didn't have the pick ready until brian said they were going to be blown out but now just for the crack i'm picking the Bengals. uh and it wasn't all four of us and you're saying brian uh hilaire has gone yeah there is gone yeah that was that was confirmed yesterday so i just wanted to make a point on the tv situation <coughs> i know the guys are a bit upset and the guys about game pass and obviously that means the game is shut down but the reality is sky are going to pick the games you know at this stage of the season that are crucial to who's going to the playoffs and i know a couple of years ago they used to do at this stage of the season kind of a put it up on the website and let the fans make their selections and whoever got the most in most percentage in terms of the votes was put on but look how can you argue with this game being on the telly it's it's box office game I completely agree if you want to. But to your point, like, if this was week seven, would I favor the Bengals? Well, yeah, because the Chiefs' secondary and the amount of yards they were giving up past defense was atrocious to begin the season with. But they've rectified it. They've coached it up. They've got more consistent pressure from the inside by kicking Jones inside. And as Brian called out the stats, like, the last – and it's not just a one- or two-week thing. The last nine weeks, they have been – no, the last eight weeks of gameplay, the last nine weeks in the total time frame, they have been a dominant force uh, on the defense side of the ball, arguably winning them games when the offense hasn't clicked as much as it has in years past. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a cracking game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But equally, I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to just do, obviously, what they did last week um, because, you know, just just different gravy. Uh, let's let's move on. I appreciate all the points there. I agree with your point as well, Brian, about the about Game Pass and Sky. I, I do think, though, that if any other country in Europe doesn't have the blackout rule, we shouldn't, including Ireland, UK. And that thing, that needs to be rectified going forward. I don't think it's fair yeah. for certain people yeah, to have it. Sky yeah, have it. If you haven't got a satellite like this, you shouldn't be paying £10 or €10 Euro a day to watch now TV. But I think, the, I think that's this the way game it is. Black, this game is blacked out as well. It's just a side it's not we're putting on <laughs> well i mean like you know we can go to we'll, we'll do this in the off season we'll, we'll, we'll bring on everybody from the german markets they've got two they've got three games on tomorrow for free so uh we'll we'll come back to that panthers five and ten seeing seven and eight um right maybe we can get the chief car intern to sort out uh three games on terrestrial television but um the yeah the pa- the panthers um the, the the high point of the Panthers season came in week two when they beat the Saints 26-7. That was the high point of their season. Um, and yes, they won the following week, but things uh, began to, the, the wheels began to come off shortly afterwards. Uh, there was a piece in The Athletic this week about Matt Rule, um, which was, you know, some of the stuff was self-evident. Um, the fact that they have lost 21 of 31 games under Matt Rule, 
21 of 31. Um, the fact that apparently David Tepper is unhappy and embarrassed that um, he uh, he gave up a, a chunk of his $16 billion fortune. Um, a seven, seven year, $62 million deal. He outbid the, the Giants. I don't know how you feel about that, Brian, um, to, to get Matt Rule. Um, the Matt, Matt Rule, um, the, there were 20 plus uh, players, staffers, and league sources who um, believed that uh, Rule's successful college coaching techniques are undermining his tenure in um, the NFL. Um, Rule himself uh, says that the process is working 1000%. Um, Mark, you work with numbers, 1000%. Outside of what a, a hedge fund manager earns a year, is, is working 1000% possible? Um, because I, I don't believe it is, um, but uh, may, maybe I'm wrong there. Um, apparently, Matt Rule has employed many of the techniques that served him so well um, in college. He uh, he has punitive punishments when players uh, for poor play or for penalties. Um, during the offseason, he made players run to a DBO sign, which stood for don't beat ourselves. Uh, apparently, he gets upset when players sign autographs before games because he thinks it's a sign that they're not focused. Um uh, which is uh, quite quite something. Um, also, uh, one thing to note on the poor old Panthers uh, and their their defense, which is much hyped. Only the Steelers and the Chargers have given up more points uh, since week ten. Uh, they signed Cam Newton. They paid him four and a half million guaranteed uh, over those four starts. Completion percentage forty seven percent. They also traded away Denzel Perryman, who um, they had acquired, uh, signed him to a two-year, six-million deal in free agency, traded him a month into training camp. He's a pro bowler now uh, for the the Raiders. Stefan Gilmore, Hassan Reddick are both out tomorrow. Sam Darnold is starting. The Saints are getting players back. The Saints are winning this. A Saints fan said to me last week, if Urban Meyer hadn't been coaching the league, the scrutiny under Matt Rule this year would have been significant compared to what it is because some of the situations which Columns alludes to are very similar to what Orvin Moore has done, but obviously Orvin Moore has brought it to another level because he's not returned with the team after a game in Cincy and uh, went off clubbing and kicked players up the bum like in Fata Ted and things like that. So, um, <laughs> But he's brought it to a new level. But uh, yeah, he's under, he's under pressure and that contract now is a bit, you know, a bit scary. Bear in mind, he got a seven-year contract. Um they were 3-0 and and the season was derailed when Sam Darnold got injured. That, is that not fair to say? Because he was going to be the answer this season. No, no, I no, he did come back, but he was he, he was he was clearly injured when he played that game and he threw a few pick interceptions in the end zone. But he is back tomorrow and he's going to make a significant difference. And the Panthers are going to win. Yeah, no. Uh, Saints are going to win because Taysom Hill is back as quarterback. And in fairness to the Saints, when Taysom Hill has played recently, when he mixed it up with the run game and his throwing ability, which isn't, off the charts, but it's, it's significant enough that you can get a win, and I think you'll get a win in this game. So, whilst the Panthers do have some players come back on defense, in particular Brian Bournes, who actually has had a good season despite all the frailties of the team, I don't think it'll be enough because the Saints at home, Sean Payton will be looking for a rebound. So, yeah, Saints for me, comfortable win. We, we actually missed the big reunion klaxon alert we should have done on an earlier game. It just came to me. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, obviously, going back to, back to to play Miami, playing against Miami, um, like, you know, the first team that drafted him in the first round back in the day. So 
Um, that's a pretty big uh, return. But in this game, we've got two returns, as Brian just alluded to. We've got the return of Sam Donald and the return of Taysom Hill. And I know there's certainly one of those that might ignite and excite its fan base a little bit more than the other. Um, I mean, what, what the expression I want to use is all credit to Sean Payton uh, to give it the true Irish flavor. Here. But all credit to Sean Payton. There's the reunion klaxon. Love it, love it. But um, I actually meant to do Thomas Tank Engine, Mark. Sorry, I, I meant to do Thomas Tank Engine, like, like a remix for the Bengals hype train. Uh, but I'll, I'll keep that for my Super Bowl pick in a couple of games. Keep, keep it for then. Keep it for then. But um, how Sean Payton has won seven games with this team is a remarkable feat of coaching, I would say. Obviously, that number they did on Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago belongs in the history books. Uh, it belongs in the annals um, in many respects. But they've started, they've started four different quarterbacks this year. I mean, the Panthers aren't far behind. They've started three different quarterbacks. Um, to say the two teams have dealt with a fair amount of dysfunction and chopping and changing is put it mildly. But bear in mind the Saints have also missed Michael Thomas for the entire season, have had other significant injuries all the way year through. Um, thinking of Ramchek at, at left tackle, for example, yeah. example. You know, fair play to the Saints where they've gone. They deserve to be at least 500 with what they've gone through. I think they will. They still have an outside chance of the wild card if other results go their way. So they have a purpose on this. The Panthers don't. So, thanks for me. I think uh, Forrest Gum coming back in a quarterback will help them run a bit more. Um, the game. You know, is they him now. I I love him. He's great. He's great. He makes me feel like I can do anything. You know, if you watch Sean Payton's interview a few weeks ago where someone was being critical of, of Taysom Hill, he said, there's 31 coaches in the league. He said every single one of them would take him tomorrow to go get their hands on him. Well, as as our friend Eamon once said, I think he's a spoofer. Oh, Sean Payton's a spoofer, anyway. Spoofer. No way. <laughs> uh, Forrest Gump. Taysom. Okay. I'm picking the Saints, so and it's the one thing this week where I'm like, Jesus, should have picked him, should have not picked him. The, the Panthers aren't are they? Then again, the Saints did have a bye week last week. Um, didn't show up. The game was called off in the third quarter against Miami. I'm, I'm moving on. It's, it's 10 to 12 at night. We've got three more games, a betting segment, and some of the football to talk about. Um, Lions against the Seahawks. Um, forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned, Colin. It has been it has been a week since I last picked the Lions. And, and here are my sins. Who's going to win this game? Well, the interesting one about this is whether it's the final home game for Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, and or Pete Carroll. Uh, could be the last home game for all three of them, potentially. Um, who 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 knows? Uh, it'll be certainly interesting. Um, of the, the three, uh, Wagner is the only one who uh, has had a, a, a solid season, even by his standards. Uh, he could potentially potentially hit 200 uh, tackles he'd still he'd need 30 um that might be stretch for even bobby wagner but i would put nothing past him um wilson is 20 22nd in uh qbr since he returned um he says that uh he's fine a bit like kind of murray last year you'd have to ask the question is he really um the Lions are gamey, but with that much on the line for the Seahawks in terms of the last game, the Seahawks are going to win this for me. Yeah, bearing in mind <clears throat> what looked like a comfortable game for a large parts last week. I know the Bears played well with the run game, but for a large parts of the second half, the uh, Seahawks were up by 10 points and essentially gave the game away at the end to, to the Bears for a play for going for the two-point 
conversion, which essentially was a nothing game. But I mean, the, the scrutiny this week, having just delved into a little bit of what was being said in Seattle, they were not happy. And despite the season being over, they still expect to win games like that, in particular with the, the crowd being there and the weather that was there. But in this game, yeah, I'm with Colin. I think the Lions will play well, but you know, Seattle should have enough. I mean, the Lions nearly won last week against Atlanta without DeAndre Swift, without Jared Goff, although is Jared Goff missing being, is that a positive or a negative? Who, who knows? Uh, depends on the week. I mean, he played really well against Arizona two weeks ago, so I, I won't be too mean. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Lions have to feel that they've got some building blocks, but there's a lot of building to go, and there's a lot of work to be done. Um, the Hawks should win this. Very simple. Uh, Rashard Penny. Um, making a bigger play to have more time, more rushes uh, in relation to it. And yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about Mr. Wilson and Mr. Carroll a little bit more in the off off season um, after the Super Bowl. Looking forward to that. Let's see if he goes to New York. That would really help this show over the next nine months if that happened. Um, <laughs> I actually don't think Russell Wilson's going anywhere. Another spoofer who's trying to get just attention. I don't think he's going anywhere. I'm going to say that now on the 1st of January. Uh, he's not going to go anywhere. I'm going to move on very quickly. I've been debating this all week. I was going to pick the Lions because I think the Seahawks are a disgrace at the minute. Um, but they'll, they'll they'll get over the line. And and will DeAndre Swift ever play football again? Ask him for a friend. He hasn't played since Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, there is one more team that will be keeping a close eye in this game. And that's the Jets, obviously, because they have the Seahawks number one pick. So, you know, I think a lot of people would have felt that Seahawks would have won last week, won this week, and see how they get on the last week, which will move that pick up towards the top end of, I suppose, 9, 10, 11 thereafter. So the Jets will be keeping a close eye on this one as well. Oh, here's a big okay. one now. What are you? It's it's the what are you talking about classic? The four and eleven Texans going up against the eight and seven 49ers. Uh, Colin, 49ers close last week against the Titans. No dice on. Was that Crimble Weave? No, it was Tony no. Uh Who have you got, Colin? Drew Locke has thrown for more than three hundred yards three times in his three years in the league. Davis Mills has done so three times in his rookie year. <laughs> Given, given the weapon, weapons he has at his disposal and the bevy, the array of weapons that Drew Locke is, supposedly has um, with the Broncos, just a QB away, just a QB away. More than 300 yards, three times in three years. You'd have to say Davis Mills has been very good, given where he was drafted, what he has had to work with. Um, you know, they, they've, they've been missing guys. They traded away their, their top running back. Um, and Davis Mills has just got out and done it outside of kind of the, his debut um, that really didn't go to plan. I think 44% completion outside of that has been very, very good. Um, Jimmy's hurt again. Um, uh, which is probably a good thing uh, because Trey Lance would come in. And actually, the the one thing that the Texans have really done well on uh, in on defense has been interceptions. They've actually done very well, but they're not good against the run. Uh, so expect to see Debo Samuel uh, in the running back role. Expect to see plenty of run uh, run pass option for uh, Trey Lance, and he'll take the run option most of the time. Uh, I think that the 49ers will have enough 
um, to run all over um, the Texans. Um, I, I look, I, I've made my feelings on the Texans um, front office well known, but I have been, I have to say, impressed by Davis Mills, a third round QB, to do what he has with what he has. Kudos uh, to to him, and in fairness to Dave Colley and the coaching staff who have managed to do the job that they have um, given what they have to work with. Davis Mills reminds me of Mike Carlson. You can see it, can't you? It's clear. Iron Mike. You look at Mike, you look at Davis Mills, and you say, ah, yeah, I get it. The night in which he came on our show was the night after the first round. And we asked him, do you love the draft? Mike, no, I hate it. It's a farce. You see all these guys in the first round, and everybody gets excited about them. And then you see these guys in the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round, and they're the real stars, and they're the ones that become real players. And I think what we're seeing here is potentially the Texans have stumbled upon, stumbled upon a quarterback in the third round, albeit I think it was the fourth pick of the third round, that they probably never thought would be the long-term answer. Maybe he will be the long-term answer because he's had, a, you know, as Columns alluded there, he's had some really bright moments that during the season. No one thought we'd see that game last week against the Chargers. And he played well against the Pages. I don't think people remember that one. I think he had a good game in the Pages, came back late and won the game. Maybe they have something there. For this game, yeah, I think, yeah, Columns nailed it i think but bearing in mind the quarterback situation they'll rely heavily on the run game to get over the line they're going to win it's one of those ones and not like last week i think the 49ers won't make the same mistake that the Chargers did which was turned up expecting to win the game and then quickly realized they were in the game and had no backup plan 49ers for me big mike yeah i mean the texans don't have a run game they're still relying we talked about the Peyton manning's ghost i think it's rex burkett's corpse who's still leading russia uh, for the Texans at the moment. Um, Davis Mills, you know, he's up there with the Hall of Fame of uh, an anodyne quotes from sports stars already. This week he came out with, being that the Texans have won their last two games, he says, winning sure is a lot better than losing. Um, and on that breaking bombshell, I think uh, we've also discovered the water is wet. Um, but the 49ers, I mean, as a franchise, this this week, they've got to be hurt and they need to get back on the train quickly. Ten, point, uh, ten points they were leading by uh, against the Titans last week and literally threw it away. I mean, Jimmy G, um, we don't need to go through every single interception and poor throw and poor decision he made, but there were plenty. Um, and yes, he's hurt. And yes, that obviously played into it. But this week, it's fine. Trey Lance can start. More importantly for the 49ers, Elijah Mitchell is back. So that run game adds another dimension yet again. I did see his tweet that made me laugh. It's like the 49ers now have the best one-two running back combo in the league, Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. I was like, yeah, probably something to that, isn't there? 49ers for me. I don't really want to talk about this game, but I'll talk about our Mike Carson. Mark's just, or Brian's just reminded me. Um, I've been invited to a wedding. On April the thirtieth. So, anyone know what that weekend is? Draft weekend. So I'm looking at you, Neffet. I'm looking at you, HSE. I'm looking at you, HSC as well up here. Please God. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. 49ers. I mean, but this Texans team put forty-one against the Chargers last week. Jesus, boys. I mean, what was going on there last week? Any, and anyway, anyway, let's let's very quickly move on i'm going to pick the 49ers um george kittle three touchdowns jimmy g etc okay 
Uh, we're going to look now. Now, Drew, Drew Locke's name has somehow been mentioned five times in the show so far, so I can't, can't wait for this. But uh, the Broncos 7 and 8 against the Chargers 8 and 7. Uh, Colin, it's my understanding uh, that the Broncos have been decimated by COVID. This week, there's, 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 there's a lot of players in the COVID-19 protocol, uh, and you've already picked the Broncos on a previous podcast, so I'm really looking forward to hearing your justification for this game. Yeah, I, I, I did. And the reason I did that is because, as Mark said, um, the the Texans don't have uh, a run game unless um, you're playing the Chargers. Uh, Rex Burkhead, the ghost of Rex Burkhead, Rex Burkhead skeleton, Rex Burkhead, what, you know, whatever you want to, to imagine. He ran all over them. 100, 189 yards, 189 yards. That's how bad the Chargers are against the, the run. Um but yeah, they, they are decimated by, by COVID, Michael, um, which I think is a problem. But if you were to listen to Broncos country during the, the week at how bad Jerry Judy is, how bad Tim Patrick is, how they couldn't catch the ball thrown to them from Drew Locke. I mean, it was all on. Oh, up to Drew Locke starting, the Broncos had the best receiving core in the league. Um, ignore the Bengals, ignore the Cowboys, ignore all of that. The Broncos had the best weapons, and Albert O should have been starting as a tight end one instead of Noah Fant. Drew Locke starts, he gets 153 yards, no touchdowns, gets the third highest graded by uh, QB, by PFF, uh, but it's all on all on the guys who dropped, apparently. So apparently it won't matter that Jerry Judy isn't playing, that Tim Patrick isn't going to play, that Bradley Chubb, Bryce Callahan, Bobby Massey, and Jonathan Cooper are also missing, um, except in the real world it will matter, um, or it should matter, but you don't know because the Chargers were abysmal last week. Um, they were abysmal a few weeks ago. I saw them with my own eyes against the, the Broncos. Absolutely horrific. But this is the Chargers team that has already beaten the Chiefs and that should have beaten the Chiefs twice. They left it out there. Um, ultimately, I think it comes down to um, Herbert and not turning the ball over. They're 0-4 when Herbert throws for a, a two, two or more interceptions. And he's done when he, So he's done that four times. They've latched each time. But generally, they respond really well. Um, so it's, it's really one, it's, it's a total toss up because the, the Broncos love playing the Chargers Uh, the Chargers are two and five against the Broncos since 2018. And the Broncos have been absolutely horrific during that period. And yet the Chargers have managed to lose. Drew Locke has won one fourth quarter comeback, um, on his career resume and it is against the Chargers. So you can't trust the, the Chargers. Um, you can't do it. And I've been going back and forth. Um, I I did back the the Broncos on the the Dublin Denver podcast. I did send you the the Chargers pick, but you know what? Given all that's out there, I I'm I'm going to go with the Broncos because I know that the Chargers are going to come up, but I'm going to go with the Broncos because Broncos country says that Drew Lock is the answer, and we we give enough. Um, there, there's enough talk on this podcast about Justin Fields. But I have been told for three years that Drew Locke is it. So, Drew Locke, here is your opportunity. Go get the win. You, you haven't heard that on that this show, Colin. Oh, you I've, I've, I, Mark, I can, I, not in this show, but I can show you top 10, top 10 QB he was going to be this year. Justin Fields was, wasn't it? Oh, Drew Locke. Sure, was Drew his third, oh, sorry, his I thought third year. Look at the weapons he was going to have. 
on the ESPN website, if you go if you're a stats man, there's 15 sections available to you on defensive stats from all different parts of the game. The Chargers this season, 14 and 15, are worse off than they were they were last season. In every in, with the exception of one section. But Brandon Staley was supposed to be the guy that was going to come in and resolve that those issues and fix this defense. And at the start of the season and the off season, and Chargers were the snazzy team that were going to be they're going to they're going to run the uh, the Chiefs close. And this is the new coming of of age with their new quarterback. And then you get a coach in a game of such significance when he's an opportunity to take three field goals. You know, not one, two, three. One would have won the game for him, and he doesn't do it. You know, and. We've seen what's happened. They've kind of gone off the rails. They've lost six of the last 10 games. I'm picking the charges, but I'm picking them because I don't trust Drew Locke in this game. I think you're asking me who I trust more, and obviously I'm going to trust Herbert, but if it was Bridgewater, I genuinely would pick the Broncos because I do agree with Colin. They match up well against the Chargers. They had their number a few weeks ago. They've had it over the past few years, but because of the situation, the quarterback, having watched a lot of the game last week against the Raiders, um, I can't pick Drew Locke. Um, well, there you are. There's on, and I see my pick on the game for, for uh, the, tomorrow's game. Sorry to jump back to the Bengals Chiefs game. I see that's upset a few Bengals fans. I'm sorry for having a pick on the game. I'll, I'll say it would be a close game next time around. I think you're out of line, and I, I want to write an apology. And I'm not even a Bengals fan, but uh, I don't be... have to apologize for any pick, Michael. That's what I think. Well, I mean, Michael, I've had a few kind of walkover calls from you this season as well. I'm <laughs> joking. I'm, only, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the hand. I, I couldn't. Yeah, well. It's grand. It's, it's five anyway, on, the, on this game, on the Broncos and the Chargers, like the Chargers, this isn't a great matchup for them. Like we've established they don't have a run defense. Like they, they don't even have semblance for run defense. Uh, and the Broncos will inevitably run the ball. They do have a secondary on paper that can keep up with uh, – uh, uh, Justin Herbert, but unfortunately, um, and they've already proved it this season. Unfortunately, the uh, weapons that Justin Herbert has, one of them isn't an abundance of speed, uh, and that Denver secondary really enjoyed and took advantage of that. Albeit again in a charged atmosphere, as you remember, a mile high just only a few weeks ago. So this isn't a great matchup for them. Um, they have thrown away already their inside track to the the playoffs. I mean, the Chiefs lost is somewhat excusable. Very good team. They lost in overtime. Did they throw it away? Yes, they did a bit. But the Texans' loss last week was absolutely inexcusable. It was an abomination. It was an abysmal performance on every single layer. Um, they did a disservice to everything else good they've done this entire season. So whilst they can win the next two games and potentially still make a wild card, then they're, they're now relying upon help. And that's a serious problem for them. However, there are three truths I believe to be self-evident, the three rules you should always bear in mind and never deviate from. These are things that just, they're, they're just universal truths, Michael, all right? Number one is you should never start a land war in Asia. Number two is never bet against the Sicilian when death is on the line. And the third one is always trust in Justin Herbert and the beauty of his deep ball. The Chargers will win. They will find a way. They will still be kicking and screaming. And kicking and screaming, if only because it gives me a bit more fun, because one of my friends will win 50 grand if the Chargers win the Super Bowl. So that makes a bit of interest for the rest of the season as well. Uh, does anybody want to make a final point in this before I just say something to move on? Or any? 
Um, I, I quite quite something. Uh, must must have a, a you know the what was it the looked down the the back of the sofa on the Learjet and found enough money to put on the chargers. Is that serious money to to potentially have fifty grand coming your way if they win a Super Bowl? Yeah, there's 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 a few steps to go to get there, Colin. So the odds aren't bad for him. Yeah, Colin made a point there at the start. Um, it's a very valid point. You know, the Chargers, if they had won last weekend, and if they had have taken the chances against the Chiefs, they could have been sitting eleven and four. That's like how much they've messed up this season. Um, and they have messed up. Like I couldn't believe. Uh, they conceded, or they, yeah, they, they they conceded 41 points last weekend. I was sitting, drinking my eggnog, laughing, going, Jesus, I mean, this is embarrassing. Um, the good news for the Chargers is they're playing the Broncos this weekend in a, a home, albeit a home stadium with about 45,000 orange jerseys. And, you know, it, 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 look, let's just get down to the point and we can move on because we still have a couple of games to go here. And we're, there's no point in focusing on a couple of teams that aren't going to be in the playoffs. Uh, the Broncos averaged four yards per play last weekend, despite facing one of the worst defenses in football. Um, the Raiders could stop Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, uh, and they pressured Drew Locke more than half the time. Uh, but the thing that really ticks me off is Pat Shermer on third downs. And I don't want to start a conversation. I don't want to get annoyed. Um, I think the Broncos will struggle to move the ball on Sunday. I think Drew Locke will have a poor day in L.A., uh, and I'm I'm very concerned about this game. Um, and I'm just going to pick the Chargers and, and leave it at that. And uh, I look forward to the press conference. We mentioned there about Pat Bowden's ownership a, few, a couple of games ago. The team hasn't had ownership in five years. And uh, something tells me that Vic Fangio could still be in the job come three weeks' time. Okay, let's... Uh, let's, happens, let's I think we'll have to give Colin the night off. I, I think it's it's you know he was asked on Tuesday uh, or on, on Monday and I I will move on from this but he he, he was asked then um, do you think you've done enough to deserve your job next year and he category went immediately yes of course they do. absolutely say whatever ways though was he? no but he yeah. was he was he was angry no. he was like no absolutely absolutely I just I, think there's 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 a there's a mantra there's a discussion that's clearly been taking place behind the scenes. Uh, so who knows? This, this is like that's why I said the comments in the week. The joint scenario and the Broncos scenario is quite similar, obviously different dynamics. But like if the Broncos were to win their last two games and then they finish with a winning record, they don't make the playoffs because of all, all the permutations. He'll turn around and go, I gave you a winning season. Find me a proper quarterback and I'll produce again. And for the joints, it's kind of a flip. We want to lose convincingly, so we don't have a situation where our head coach is coming back. So I can see these type of things. The owners get blinded by late season wins that mean very little because of some for some reason the records look a little bit better than they should have. Uh, Brian, don't get carried away. The Broncos are scared of winning records, so that won't happen. Talking no. about getting carried away, Mark. Um Charge is gonna win. It's gonna be a blowout. Put a couple of grand on it. With grand. I am on the train. I am on the love train. I am on the hype train. For the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. And I actually cannot believe I'm saying it. But <laughs> God, can you imagine the crack on this show if the Cowboys won the Super Bowl? I just, I just, I, I'm going to just pull it all in now for the crack. He's away happy. There's Brian, Brian's away. <laughs> uh, great performance last week, Colin. Uh, a bye week for the Cowboys against Washington. Also. 
Um, yeah, great performance last week. Uh, Dak probably um, having his best game since coming back from the injury. He hadn't looked right since he came back from the injury, but last week um, really getting um, back into it. Uh, up against the the Cardinals, Cardinals traveling to to Jerry's world, and um, I've seen some interesting stats around um, Cliff Kingsbury uh, that I, um, I not just his time with the Cards, but his time also with Texas Tech. So as head coach, so through uh, the first seven games, um, he in eight of his nine seasons as head coach, he's had a winning record. He's forty two twenty and one. The only time he didn't was the first season as Cards head coach. He was 3-3-1. and one. Uh, In the rest of the year, he's had a losing record every single year. Nine out of nine years in the second half of the season, um, he's had a losing record. He's 16-43 and 43, um, in the back end of a season. That's a huge concern. Because that's that's like you know once like yeah once is unlucky twice is unfortunate three times is a pattern um, but nine times in a row Um, and that got got to be a huge concern if you're if you're Cardinals fan you're also going to Jerry's World Cowboys uh, and particularly Dak outside of the the Broncos outlier have been much better at home um, this season. they, I think, potentially uh, might have their offensive line, um, their projected offensive line from the summer together for the first time, uh, which is pretty nice time for it to all come together. They've outscored op- opponents 269 to 152 um, at Jerry's World. Um, the Carrots defense that had been so impressive to begin the season has really begun to kind of creak. And yes, they held Jonathan Taylor um last week but therefore Wentz was able to go uh at over eight yards um uh, a catch um they also have a number of injuries Rondell Moore but a Baker I I think this is going to be the the Cowboys getting the the win um for for me and I think that you are looking at a Cowboys team that yeah, I mean, are they are they going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know, but they are serious. They're serious on offense, and Dan Quinn has made, has given them the third uh, ranked defense against the pass in the league. Um, Diggs has eleven interceptions. Parsons has thirteen sacks. Dan Quinn is going to get a head coaching job if the Broncos don't fire Vic Fangio. They will. Or sorry, if they if they fire Vic Fangio, they hire Dan Quinn. But they might well keep. Fangio, but Dan Quinn, I believe, will get um, a head coaching job given the job that he's done. Cowboys are winning for me and going to eleven or sorry, twelve and four. Yeah, that Colonel's defense has really tailed off over the past uh, five to six weeks, which is consistent with the performance in terms of what games have lost because their offense hasn't been able to keep up with the points they've given up on defense. And Kyler Murray is not playing at the level we saw early on in the season, and certainly last year, his stats are reflective of that. You know, he's the worst passer rate of all the quarterbacks who are actually potentially going into the playoffs. Um, is he going to get it back on track? If they were to lose this game, I'd argue that they'd probably even be jockeying for position next week in terms of they're already in the playoffs. And it's strange enough, sometimes losing their final game actually works better for you because you know essentially who you're going to play in the playoffs. And sometimes you match up better against teams. But this week in particular, I think they'll, they'll try to go out and win the game. I think they need to make a statement and at least be very competitive in the game just to show that they can rally around the head coach who's had a difficult time as, as Colin has touched on there. But he are missing a lot of players and the Cowboys are going in the right direction. And 
with Pollard and Elliot. I know Elliot's playing with an injury, but we saw last week against Washington, he still ran, he ran in two touchdowns and he still was effective enough. So for me, I think the Cowboys will win. And then keep going. They're just trying to get them, their hands on that number one seed. If the Packers were to slip up, we we'll certainly try to hold on to the two seed. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Kyler Murray is actually seven and zero as a starter in AT and T Stadium. Um, but the reality is, the Cardinals started off this season seven and zero. It's just been the eight games since then when they've only won three times has been the problem since. So. To say, and I alluded to it the other week, I mean, it kind of re- reminiscent a little bit of the Steelers season last year um, that they just got found out a little bit. Watching the game last week, there was too much of their game plan on offense seemed to be let kind of run around, make something happen and hook up somewhere off script. Um, there wasn't enough coordination, strangely, from their offensive game plan. There wasn't enough structure. There wasn't enough um, opportunities to help him succeed. It was good to see Kyler Murray break off a long run. It's been a while since we've seen that, to be honest with you. He broke off a 57-yarder, which was exciting to see. Um, but equally, and I think, Colin, you made the comment about the, the defense is creaking. Um, the offense hasn't clicked the same way it was excitingly at the start of the season, and that defense is more than creaking. It's breaking at the seams. Um, and, yeah, Containing Jonathan Taylor when you don't have to worry about the pass defense at all because you're facing off against Carson Wentz is a very different proposition from facing off against Dak Prescott. Um, And yes, the Cowboys are rolling. The Cowboys are up there. I still think Green Bay is a far superior team in in terms of coordination. I think the Rams are dangerous in relation to it. But can the Cowboys get on the run? Absolutely. Can their defense with uh, Trevon Diggs, the gambler extraordinaire, he'll either get burnt or he'll get you an interception. And Micah Parsons, undoubtedly the defensive rookie of the year and validly in the conversation for defensive player of the year. Um, but it's that whole depth. Randy Gregory's been playing, uh, you know, been back and performing. Um, Lawrence has been, you know, they, they've, they've got so much depth on that defensive line. That's been truly the impressive aspect. Uh, I think of them putting together this run. Um, they will be. Ah, uh, look, we'll get to the postseason. We'll get to the postseason. For me, they've got too much. They're going to beat the Cards. Uh, the Cards swoon continues. They'll sweep in as a, a wild card. Of course, they're already secure in that regard. Um, but yeah, it's a, a long, painful slide for them. You can tell I'm tired with the button clicking. Um, yeah, what a difference a few weeks makes. You know, Arizona were. Guns blazing at one point. Remember the one of that game against Green Bay? And we're all going, Jesus, this, this Arizona team looks unbelievable. Sorry to Josh Weinfuss, who's probably listening in, going, hmm. I don't see any way in which they can win this game on Sunday. That that Cowboys defense, you've named some names there. Mark, Demarcus Lawrence, Alan Smith. You know, on the other side of the ball, Dalton Schultz, CD Lamb, they're getting it going with that mixture of Pollard and Elliott. I, and they just, they just look comfortable. And I'm, I, I can't wait for the playoffs. Because I think Wiley NFC is pretty much, it's not completely tied up. While it's tied up in terms of certain teams that are in, I don't think any of us are, can call this offseason. So I really can't wait. Sorry, the, the postseason, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. In terms of the game on Sunday, I'm taking the Cowboys, not by a country mile, but in, 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 in a comfortable fashion. And maybe 20 to, no, I'm only really joking, 34 to 17. Yeah, but Michael, you can't wait for the postseason because then you're not obliged to watch Broncos games anymore. You can actually watch some good football. Red zone. No more red zone. Okay. 
Right. Uh, before we look at Sunday Night Football, we're going to talk very quickly. Uh, actually, let, let's just, because I have to edit this for a recorded point on Twitter. And we're delighted to welcome in our partners, Matchbook Betting Exchange. Uh, folks, week 17 of the NFL season. Lads, I can't wait to hear Brian's treble or combo of the week. Yet to see some of this bonus Euros, Brian, but uh, excited to see some, but never left. Starting away for rainy day, Michael. Don't worry, you'll, you'll receive your... Your but your divvy at the end. Who's your voucher? Four teams this week. Um, very confident in all four. Um, some games have playoff uh, game. You know, in terms of permutations, and others don't. So the ones that don't, I have the Saints beating the Panthers. I have the Bears beating the Giants. Um, and the ones that do matter, I have the Colts beating the Raiders, and I have the Rams beating the Ravens. So there you have it. Four teams, five to two. Might get 11 to 4 if you shop around, but we don't want you shopping around. We want you to stick with Matchbook because they're a trusted partner. But I think they're paying a 5 five to 2. And I think all four teams will win this weekend. And Mark has to say there, Mark. No. I was going to say, Brian, you could go for another bet, though. You could go for all the C's. You could go for the Chiefs, the Colts, the Chargers, and the Cowboys. And that's about 5 to 2 as well. So, you know, go, go with the C's. Yeah, you had me until you said Cowboys. <laughs> who have we got as um who have we got as lock of the week cowboys are my lock of the week column who have you got just you know who's your standout team this week in terms of the game uh in in terms of like if if you're not at all concerned with uh, a line or odds or whatever else uh, is involved in this whole uh betting malarkey uh yes. the patriots Oh, great. Hang on there. I'll just put on 300 euro to win a euro. <laughs> <laughs> well, get, get Mark. Get Mark's mates money because apparently there's loads of it. Colin's making a, a very valid point, though, because the line in that game, I'm not sure what the actual line is in that game, but it, 17 and it, a half. Different. 17 and a half. So do we all think the Patriots are going to win by 18 points? I mean, they should. Oh. They've got the they've no. got the quarterback, Mark, no. now Mac Jones. No. Oh no, now Mark, Mark, now come on, now they've just scored 30 points at home. How many times have they, 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 they won by 14 points? They won't cover. Who's your lock of the week, Marcus? Uh my lock of the week. Uh well, with the Patriots is the luckiest lock of the week, I think. But uh sure I'll go with the Chargers. It's not the team that's going to do give do the blowout in Cincy. Um, you won't believe me saying it, but it's the Eagles. Sorry, you feel against Washington. Eagles are minus four and a half points. Um, I think it's quite low the line. I think I thought the line would have moved up to about seven. Um, four and a half, I think, is a very fair reflection. You'd expect the Eagles to win by a touchdown. So, for me, I think that's the luck of the week. Brian, will, so Brian will be getting out the sandpaper later on to clean himself off after saying those lines. I think you're already seeing him in red hives, just perfectly in tune with the matchbook. Uh, I, I have a hot bat running at the moment. <laughs> we, okay, we are delighted to have matchbook on board. Twenty pound, twenty euro. Welcome off for money back as cash. Your first bet loses. The bonus code is Irish NFL show. All the T's and C's are below there. Obviously, eighteen plus. Please be gamble aware. And folks, you know, spend your money wisely. Be gamble aware. T's and C's all on that there. Thanks so much to Matchbook. Uh, looking forward to talking to Sully next week about uh, hopefully a stacked week 18 with no COVID implications. You can check out matchbook.com or check the app.
Okay. Sunday Night Football. Now, I am, and I've checked the rules this week, I am very, like, 90% sure, right, that NBC could have flexed any other game in the late window uh, to this. So they could have flexed the Cardinals against the Cowboys. They could have, no matter if Fox call it America's Game of the Week or whatever. I mean, they could have flexed it, but this game is Sunday Night Football. Um, Colm, what's your thoughts on this game? Week 17, what's your thoughts? Uh, well, I guess the plexiglass that Kirk Cousins was going to encase himself in uh, to ensure that he would be able to play, he was going to do whatever it took um, to ensure that he didn't get COVID. But, well, COVID got him. But he says if he dies, he dies. So maybe he's been ro- watching Rocky whilst in isolation. Um, unfortunately, it probably kills um, any hopes that the Vikings had of making that late playoff push. Um which is a shame because if if the Vikings had made the playoffs, all things were possible. Um, I'm, I'm surprised Mark is uh, you know so eager to to back the Chargers um, because the, the the only team uh, you know that are are more uh, unpredictable are the Vikings. But with Cousins out, um, they go uh, in to Green Bay. They go to Lambeau. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has thrown 34 touchdown passes since his last interception against an NFC North team. Um, It's the longest streak in uh, NFL history against divisional opponents. Um, The the only concern you'd have for the Packers, and it's not in this game because I do believe that they will win this, but since they shut out the the Seahawks in the five games since um opposing teams are averaging uh, almost 29 points and almost 400 yards that would be a concern going into the playoffs it won't be a concern in in this year it's, it's a shame that our um that we're not going to get to see um a real shootout <clears throat> because this could have been um with the Vikings absolutely needing to win if cousins had been there um, him and Jefferson, it would have been really interesting to to watch. I I have the the Packers, um, you know, winning this comfortably enough, say ten points, um, to to move on to thirteen and and three. And as Marcus pointed out, contractually they're not allowed to lose another game anyway. Colin, you kind of stole my thunder a lot of points because I felt all week long with Cousins playing that there was a real opportunity here for the Vikings because you looked at the game last week when the Browns went into Lambeau and they did a lot They did a lot on that, that Packers defense and it was kind of masked by the interceptions that Baker Mayfield threw. I think he threw three or four. And obviously there was the one at the end with the pass appearance that wasn't called. And then the, the game which Michael was fortunate to be at, I mean, the Ravens, Ravens offense, in particular Mark Andrews, went up and down the field on them all day long. So we've seen over the past while and wasn't surprised to see Alexander taken off the IR immediately as soon as he became available. They're also missing quite a few players, both offensively and defensively because of the COVID situation, who aren't going to play. But it's all taken away now because of the core Cousins situation. I mean, I remember when we did it, the show in North Dublin, the start of the season, season preview, we all said it. We're going to get to a situation where there's going to be an absolute massive game. And for this game, it was still massive for the Vikings because there was a permutation, which me and Colin discussed this week, where if they won this week, beat the Bears next week, the 49ers were to lose a divisional game at the end, 
they could get into the playoffs. But I think that's kind of got that's gone there because of the quarterback situation. He obviously watched Rocky Colin then switched over and watched David Blaine in the in that glass box he was in in Times Square back in the day and got his idea from there in terms of where he'd stay. But for me, I think this is going to end up being another blowout because I think the Packers will win this company despite the adverse weather conditions that are predicted, despite the COVID situation. Paddy Mannion is in, is he playing quarterback? Is it the Dublin? There, someone, someone with a, with a name called Mannion is going to start a quarterback for the Vikings. Zimmer is going to be gone, and you know what? You should take Cousins with him. If I was a Vikings fan, I'd be disgusted by my quarterback having having got to the stage of the season, and now he's out because he wouldn't take the vaccine. But we all have we all have thoughts on that situation. Packers, right. all yeah, the way. Packers, you, but I mean, no more disgusted than Packers fans could be at their quarterback, who, as we well, wildly yeah. know, is is not vaccinated, although he is immunized. Um, the craziest thing for me, and I didn't realize this about the rules. Yes, I'm going for the Packers, Michael. Thanks for preempting. But the craziest thing for me is well, you literally um, said it. As a, I Packers win. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Um, but uh, I didn't realize this until I cousin. I'm sorry, Rogers actually doesn't even get tested again until yeah, 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 between yeah, the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. Him and Jordan Love both. I'm just thinking of the madness of, and of course, vaccinated or unvaccinated, the science, of course, you can still contract COVID-19. Like, this is a very valid fact. Some of the facts that Aaron Rodgers talks about and Pat McAfee are best left to him to shut the hell up, to be honest with you. And Dominic Foxworth is a hero, I think, for some of the comments he came out with recently. But um, can you imagine the madness if, if Rodgers gets tested between those two games and turns up positive? It's just it's just bizarre to me. It's like it, this this could be absolutely crazy. Anyway, um, I came across that during the week and it made me smile a little bit. Yes, um, I can empathize a little bit for NBC executives when they had to make the call on this a couple of weeks ago. There was still the potential that the Vikings could be pushing for that playoff berth uh, to come in as a wild card. It's a divisional game. The Vikings have already beaten the Packers once. And the Packers, from a footballing sense, and with Rodgers as a quarterback, are box office at the moment. So I can understand why they didn't. Um, but yes, when you look at some of the games we've got earlier with Chiefs and Bengals and Cowboys and Cardinals, this does have the feel of a clunker with the current situation. Uh, it has to be the Packers with Cousins out. But it is the Vikings. Crazy things can happen. And Colin, to give you a sense of another crazy friend of mine, I have someone who last night put money on the Vikings to win the Super Bowl purely because of the odds they got on it with all the surrounding circumstances. <laughs> he got his face. So he got he got he got some very what are you talking very, about? very good odds. I'll just say that. But he's just throwing away money. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. But he's quite happy with the potential. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I didn't do it. I didn't encourage him to do it. And he said to me, Said to me, he sent me a message last night and he said, I've put a sum of money on them and gave me the odds. And I was like, oh, okay. His kids won't okay. have a problem with college if it comes off, is all I'll say. That's basically college. Yeah, man. Okay. Um, We've seen it happen before. Crazy things have happened. I'm taking the Vikings. Uh, I. I think Vikings was it, it was a great TV show back in the day. Was more of a Mad Men f fan growing up, but uh, Vikings great show. Um, sorry, yeah, something else is on TV. This game tomorrow night, uh, Green Bay every every day of the week. The college, the, the college fund, as you call it, the the student loan, the the mortgage, the rent, the PS five, the fifty five inch TV, the wedding ring, the engagement ring, the 
every drop of food in the fridge, the car, the, I don't know, the, the seats outside the house for the summer, all on Green Bay against Minnesota. Uh, to, to, to be fair to NBC, though, you know, it, it has been that year where there's been so many shocks in terms of we it's been very it's been a very very unpredictable season and they were sitting months ago looking at these games but uh, i am quite frankly stunned this game is on national television i understand it's the packers and the vikings but i'm not friends with nbc at the minute after they decided to uh, get rid of nbcsn for you know whenever i'm over in america watching the premier league you know it wasn't a great decision but uh, thank you for that there more importantly though the packers will win this game and go to 13 of three um and that's a very interesting point about Aaron Rodgers. very interesting point because i know for a fact at the minute this variant lowest people have it they haven't got a clue i'm sure there's there, there's no test for people to even find out uh any final points boys any final yes yeah. yes um, yes if, if you haven't if you haven't already seen it the uh, um the guest lineup uh for the manning cast uh, is quite something uh bill cower who we have had on this show and is wonderfully entertaining uh guest two is commissioner goodell uh, which is i still believe the role that Peyton Manning ultimately wants um, rather than he is not going to be able to unless he gets to meet one of Mark's friends he's not going to have the money to buy an NFL franchise um, he's not going to want to have to answer um, to just be a kind of a front man I believe he wants to be commissioner uh, Snoop Dogg is also on there if you haven't seen Snoop Dogg try an Irish accent it might be the best thing I watched over Christmas um, and Aaron Rodgers is also going to be on the Manning cast on Monday night Aaron Rodgers on Monday night pretty much said you know celebrating the fact that the number one saved because they play the Lions next week and with all due respect to the Lions fans out there um if they win this game I think it's a given they'll beat the Lions next week and the number one seed will be wrapped up all road through number uh, if you haven't seen it legitimately or illegitimately, find a way to see and watch All Madden, which only premiered on Fox on Christmas Day. A dedicated to life of John Madden uh, with a huge array of contributors all across um, the who's who of football, basically. But something he got to see with his family on Christmas Day, including a personal note that every contributor left for him kind of independently that they recorded in relation to it. Amazing life, amazing man, amazing contribution to the game of football. Um, along with Dan Reeves, who should not go unnoticed, only one of seven coaches to cross over 200 wins and brought four different teams to the Super Bowl. Uh, but John Mann, not just for what he did as a coach, but as you alluded to earlier, Colin, what he did as a commentator, as a broadcaster, and especially what he's done as well in terms of proliferation of the game, insisting upon it being an 11 by 11 game instead of a 7 by 7 Took him two years to dedicate it that way because he said, you're going to do it, do it right, and this is what real football looks like. Uh, so, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, no, to, to rest in peace to, to both of those. I would say to the NFL offices and to Fox, uh, legitimate sources um, also for Mark when he next lands in California. Yeah, Mark said legitimate <laughs> sources. You do want to use legitimate sources to watch uh, that wonderful documentary uh, on the life of John Madden. And I'm sure it'll be on Game Pass very soon, folks. I'm sure it will be. We, we'll keep you updated if it is. The Irish NFL show is no affiliation with the National Football League. We are back on Monday night for Big Ben's last hurrah. I don't think you should play Week 18, but we'll talk about it Monday night. Uh, enjoy Week 17. I've only got one more week of making graphics, and then I'm going into a nine-month slumber. Uh, hope Santa came. <laughs> <laughs>
Good night. Here you are.